from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Hope you're having a great day and hope you're enjoying life. I appreciate having you on the show today and always, and it truly means the world to have you connect with the show. So thank you for that, and thank you for being, for being a part of this broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You can listen to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora anytime you want to, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, I should say. Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You can listen anytime you want to on the app. The live feed is Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. If you want to listen any other time to over 760 shows, just go to wakeupcalldt.com, which is the hub of everything Wake Up Call. And when you go to wakeupcalldt.com, right under the live MixLR feed, it'll say download for free RSS feed, iTunes podcast, and the app on Podbean. You can download any of those by clicking on the logos. They are free, and once you have them, you have every single show, and you can listen anytime you want to. So thank you to everybody that's connected with the show and become a part of it. I truly appreciate it. I thank you for it, and I hope you're enjoying what you're listening into because there's a lot to go back and find, and I truly appreciate it. So thank you for all that you do. Big shout-out to everybody who's been a longtime supporter of the show and to everybody that's become a supporter today, in this moment, in this second. I want to support Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. Well, welcome in, brothers and sisters, and I'm happy to have you here. So thank you for being so supportive and so wonderful. Today's show is jam-packed on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, inside of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA. And when I say jam-packed, it's jam-packed like my Dan Tortora special at the Market Diner. Belgian waffle cut in half, filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelet. It's jam-packed just like that this morning. That's why the Market Diner is a perfect, perfect connection to Wake Up Call. Because what we make at the Market Diner is just like what we're making here on the show. Jam-packed shows wall-to-wall. This morning, we'll start the show off as we always do on a Friday with the annoying moment of the week. The annoying moment of the week is proudly brought to you by Carvel DeWitt, 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York. Minutes from Manly Fieldhouse, minutes from downtown, minutes from Lemoyne College, minutes from Syracuse University, and right there at the end of Erie Boulevard. So we will get to the annoying moment of the week in just a moment. We will also get to sound bites of the week at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Proudly presented by Sales Restaurant with some of the best bites you'll find in town in central and upstate New York. Some of the best food I have ever had, and it's at Sales Restaurant, and I mean that, and I get a lot of different things at Sales. 41 East Genesee Street in the Village of Baldwinsville, the home of my trivia nights every single Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Find me out at Sales Restaurant with some free live trivia with 
a grab bag of goodies on the line for the top team and a gift card for second place. So you definitely want to get out there. First place gets a gift card and a bunch of stuff. Second place gets a gift card. We're good to everybody out there at sales. So come out and see how you can do in Wake Up Call Live Trivia every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. On today's show, the sound bites are going to be coming to you from my one-on-one conversations with the ACC coaches from inside of the ACC coaches teleconference this week. These are the coaches' direct answers to my questions, and you're going to hear from on today's show. In order, Dave Clawson from Wake Forest. Then you will, right before their matchup with FSU, you will hear from Georgia Tech head coach Paul Johnson before facing North Carolina. You'll hear on the other side of that matchup from Larry Fedora, the North Carolina head coach. You will hear from Duke head coach Dave Cutcliffe, before facing Miami, and on the other side of that, Miami's head coach Mark Richt before facing Duke. Boston College's Steve Adazio will be on the show as well. And, of course, we'll round out the last two sound bites in the first hour of today's show with Dave Doran of NC State, who's facing Dino Babers of Syracuse. Dave will be first, Dino will be second, and you will hear them all in Sound Bites of the Week, proudly presented by Sales Restaurant. After that, we will get into what we always do in the second hour on a Friday here on Wake Up Call, and that is Fantasy Football Friday, where Mike Sofka from Central Florida and myself from Central New York get together and we connect Central Florida to Central New York because Florida is the second home of the show. There's a lot of work I do down in Florida covering the Jaguars, covering the Magic, NBA Summer League, as well as Syracuse football recruiting, national recruiting in general, and so on and so forth. So, It is my honor and my privilege that today and every Friday we give you advice on what's going on with those Sunday and Monday games and we take a look back at the Thursday game. Fantasy football advice for week four is coming up for you from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern time today with Mike Sofka and myself, Dan Tortora. So, like I said, jam-packed like a Belgian waffle filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelet is today's show. And you can get that breakfast sandwich any time of the day at the Market Diner, 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA. And yes, they are the morning menu for today and every broadcast Monday through Friday of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. Big shout out to the Market Diner, Tony and Elaine and BC and all of the great work that they have done there at the Market Diner and continue to do as the Market Diner continues to make positive history and a positive impact on the community. So let's get it started. Let's get rolling with what we are here inside of, inside of the morning menu, and that is the annoying moment of the week. It's one of my favorite segments that I have ever done in my life. It's the oldest segment I have on the show. It's been with me for about eight years, and I absolutely love it. And now I get to roll into it right here to start the show. Tortora proudly brings you... Is that for real? Are you kidding me? The annoying moment of the week. I, I really honestly, I don't know how to respond to this. Presented by Carvel DeWitt. 4322 East Genesee Street. It's what happy tastes like. Do you have to be that crazy? I guess so. The annoying moment of the week proudly presented by Carvel DeWitt. 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York. It is the home of the Wake Up Call Sunday 
which is chocolate, vanilla, or a twist, soft serve, topped off with cookie dough pieces and caramel swirl, my signature. And, of course, you can get that whipped cream and a cherry. If you're looking for less calories per ounce with your cookie dough and caramel swirl special Sunday at Carvel, you can get that as well by just asking for Carvel Light. The annoying moment of the week for this week, well, obviously, it's the NCAA and the FBI. NCAA, FBI, everything that's going on here. Rick Pitino's not a head coach anymore. Wow. How about that? How insane is that? Rick Pitino is not the head coach anymore of Louisville. Who would have thought that that would happen? Ricky P. A lot of things have happened. Schools who have been impacted by the investigation, Alabama, Miami, Louisville, Auburn, Arizona, USC, Oklahoma State, and South Carolina. Other people that have been impacted are Jim Gatto, director of Adidas Global Sports Marketing, Merle Code, recently with Adidas after leaving Nike, Christian Dawkins, former NBA agent who's recently been fired by ASM Sports, Jonathan Brad Augustine, president of the League Initiative, director of an Adidas-sponsored program, Munish Sood, a financial advisor, and Rashan Michelle, representative of Thompson Bespoke Clothing, and a former referee of the NCAA. So, that being said, you go to each of these teams, Kobe Baker, men's basketball administrator, resigned after the athletic director, Greg Byrne, initiated an internal review in Alabama. For Miami, the president of the University of Miami acknowledged the basketball program is subject to an ongoing FBI investigation. This is coming after the NCAA has just recently investigated Miami just within the last couple years. Louisville, Rick Pitino, he has been fired, according to his attorney. People say unpaid leave, they say fired, but according to his attorney, the unpaid leave means he has he has been, in effect, fired from Louisville. Athletic Director Tom Jurek was also told, see you later, from Louisville. For Auburn, Assistant Coach Chuck Person, accused of handling a total of $141,500. He was suspended without pay. Coach Bruce Pearl is not named in this report. And they've already lost a high-profile recruit and are offering to give refunds to season ticket holders, which is not a good sign. Arizona assistant coach Emmanuel Book Richardson accused of paying a player, identified as player five, $5,000 in bribe money to sign with the Wildcats. He has been suspended without pay. USC assistant Tony Bland charged with conspiracy to commit bribery, soliciting a bribe and wire fraud. He's been charged with providing $9,000 in cash payments to the families of two current USC players. He has been suspended. Oklahoma State assistant coach Lamont Evans accusing of rece- accused of receiving at least $22,000 in bribe money to quote-unquote exert his influence over certain student athletes at Oklahoma State and at South Carolina where he was an assistant before. He has been fired by Oklahoma State. And South Carolina is connected, as I just said, with Evans because of the FBI investigation that had Evans at South Carolina, then at Oklahoma State, doing the same darn thing. 
So here is why this is the annoying moment of the week. It's multi-layered, and we're going to go through this thing. First of all, is there corruption in trying to recruit athletes? Yes. If you think there's not, then you just are you want to believe that there's not. You want to believe it's impossible. You want to believe it couldn't be your team. It couldn't happen. Not me. No, it's not. It happens all the time, and it happens throughout this country. And the problem is that there are good standing people that go out there and try and recruit your sons and daughters. There's other people that go out there and they will give you whatever you want, however you want it, wherever you want it, to make sure that your child says yes to their school. And that is the fact of the matter. There is dirt in recruiting because people want to get the recruits, so they're going to do what they're told. And I know about recruits that have made demands and asked for things and had drug problems and whatnot, and I commend the coaches that did not take on that problem and did not give them the laundry list of what they wanted, and I'm sad about the coaches that did. I'm sad about the coaches that obliged it. When one coach said, no, this isn't going to happen, this isn't right, you can't do that to my university... The funny thing is, the coach that said no doesn't have a job at that university. The coach that said yes still has a job at their respective university. So one that followed the rules and one that did not, and the one that followed the rules doesn't have a job anymore. That's a problem, and that's an issue. That's a huge issue and a huge problem, and I don't appreciate it, and I don't like it. The thing is, there's a lot of reasons why this is the annoying moment of the week. And this is inevitably going to spill into next week's shows because there's a lot of information to sift through, a lot to go through, a lot to focus in on and zero in on, and things have just come out in the last couple of days. And hopefully, you know, if there's any more information or some truth or clarity, that'll happen over the weekend. But the fact of the matter is coaches that do this should be ashamed of themselves, Okay. Coaches that do this should be ashamed of themselves. If you can't get a player to come to your school to play for your team because they believe in your team, they believe in what you're capable of, they believe in what you're trying to do, they believe in your message, if they don't want to become if they don't want to come to your school because of that, then they don't want to come to your school. But to say to a player, "Hey, I got a bunch of women waiting here to service you." So come to my school or, "Hey guy, I got a bunch of money sitting in a car." over there, or I heard that your father's got some legal trouble right now, I'll take care of that, or I heard your mama needs a house and I'll take care of that. That should not be happening, okay? And if you're somebody sitting out there saying, well, I'm fine with that, as long as we get the recruit. I've had people send messages to the show that said, Dan, as long as we get the person, I don't care how they get them, I don't care what they have to do, as long as they get them on campus. And those are the people that are part of the problem because you think that way and some coaches think that way and i'm not saying that i love what actual course just said and i'll get to that in a second i'm not saying that you're not allowed to have an opinion but i hope to jesus that you are never overseeing a program if you have the mentality of, let me do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, no matter how many rules I break, because I need to get what I need to get. I don't do that, okay? I don't do that. I don't break the rule. I'm not a man of breaking rules. It's not something that I do. 
when it comes to the sanctity of sports and it comes to the beauty of sports and recruiting and trying to see if you can get somebody and trying to see if somebody will believe in you and give you a chance and this, that, and the other, you know, I want to see if you can do it. I want to see if you can pull it off. Why, if you're a kid who's a C student and you've always been a C student, why would you want your first A to be coming off of you cheating on a test? Why would you want that? I just need to get an A, Dan. I just need to feel what it's like to get an A. No, you don't. No, you don't need to just feel what it feels like to get an A. If you don't get an A based on your own merit, it's not worth it to me. It's not good. It's not healthy. It's not positive. So yeah, there's multi-layers to this thing. Number one, Rick Pitino for having prostitutes on campus and people servicing their players. Like I said before, the last time I checked, prostitution in most places is illegal. The last time I checked, having sex with a minor, if you are an adult that is over a certain age, that is illegal. So where the legality comes into this, I don't care about the NCAA. This is legal and not legal. The issue is that if you're an athlete, there's certain rules that can, how does your boss get to reprimand you but the legal system doesn't. If I got a kilo of cocaine and I'm a football player, maybe I go to jail for 30 days. If I have a kilo of cocaine and I'm Dan Tatora, I'm in jail for like five to 10 years. Why? Why? Because they're an athlete and I'm not. If there's a student athlete that's the star player on the team, They'll do whatever they can to make sure that star player stays out there in certain instances. They'll write the paper for the player. They'll do whatever they have to do to keep the player out there on the court. Or on the field. Or wherever they are. And some people say, Dan, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. We need to win at all costs. We need to win at all costs. No, you don't. No, you don't. And the fact of the matter is... They always get found out. The NCAA does not have a statute of limitations. They don't, folks. The government does, but the NBA does not. They do not have a statute of limitations. Or, the, or sorry me, the NCAA. They do not have a statute of limitations. None. No statute of limitations. Because they'll reach back as far as they need to go. But Rick Pitino has been scum for things off the court for a long time. Have I interviewed Rick Pitino? Yes. Have I, you know, have I enjoyed the opportunity of interviewing Rick Pitino in my respect for what he's done on the court? Absolutely. But if you have prostitutes and people servicing your players that you're trying to get to commit to a school, you are a dirty, disgusting scumbag who has no business being anywhere near children and molding young minds. You are a teacher, first and foremost. You are a father figure, first and foremost. Fathers and teachers do not go hire prostitutes to go give you-know-whats in the corner and say, hey, right before you're about to bop-bop, why don't you come to Louisville? Sound good? Love you, kid. I'll have, I'll, have a girl, I'll have a girl set up with you like a robot every single day that you're at school. If you come here, I'll have a girl who has no self-esteem and no love for herself to just get down on her knees and give her what you and give you what you need. That is disgusting. There's not even a question. If I heard that, if I first of all I'd throw up, okay? And and if the thing is true that Tom Jurek that he refused that you go into the president's office and Tom Jurek said they say to Tom, fire Rick Pitino, and he says no. 
Why would you stick up for him? Why would you stick up for, well, you don't know my relation. Why would you stick up for Rick Pitino? Why would you stick up for Rick Pitino? Look at what Rick Pitino has done. Look at what he has done. This man cheated on his wife and allegedly did it publicly. So that's the last person I'm going to believe doesn't know there's a prostitute on campus. And it's the big bad wolf. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe there's certain things he didn't know. But Rick Pitino, the thing about Rick Pitino is it's bad and it's bad and it's bad and it's bad. And this stuff has been following him for years. It's been following him for years. So he gets caught, but not by the NCAA. What did the NCAA do? Slap on the wrist, Rick. You be a good boy next time, okay? Ricky, you be a good boy. Because the NCAA plays favoritism. People ask me all the time, how did Bayheim get this punishment? How did it get this ruthless, this heinous? How was this punishment so big? How did it become what it is today? And you know what my answer for that is? The NCAA picks and chooses who they want to suspend fire whatever it doesn't matter they chokehold the university it's not right what the ncaa does this is the annoying moment of the week because there's scumbags like rick patino who finally got caught it took 700 chances but he finally got caught there's nobody that's going to stand in front of me and go you know rick patino he uh, i I don't really mind the pro, you know, the prostitution and the servicing of players and, you know, I mean, there was stuff that Rick Pitino got brought up on in the past. And this is not a Rick Pitino witch hunt. I'm making an example of Rick Pitino. But the other part of the annoying moment of the week is that, well, let, let me finish with Rick. So is he a good coach? Yeah, he's a phenomenal coach. He's a phenomenal coach. Is he a good recruiter? Yeah, he's a great recruiter. Okay, but at the end of the day, what matters to you? It sickens me that there's fans out there going, as long as he's a good coach and a good recruiter, I don't care what he does in the comfort of his own home. I don't care if he murders babies. I don't care if he, you know, touches himself in public. It doesn't matter to me as long as we win games. Those people are sick, twisted and disgusting, just like Rick Pitino. I mean, it's not normal to think that way. That's not normal. Dan, how dare you tell me what my normal is? It's not normal. Okay, people claim that they don't have common sense and that's their scapegoat. Oh, I just didn't have common sense. I didn't know what was going on. Oh, I just didn't have common sense. I didn't know. We all, it's called common sense for a reason, correct? It's not uncommon sense. It's not sense that some people have. It's common sense. Common sense tells you that what's what was going on at Louisville wasn't good. Okay, it's not good at all. And there's always a scapegoat. Hey, you, ball bite, ball boy, you're off the team. Deflate gate. Oh, it was that kid that was, you know, obsessed with Brady, just deflating balls because he loved him and wanted to make a good impression. You know these crazy little cats. And maybe sometimes it is one person. And maybe sometimes there's a scapegoat. But the fact of the matter is there are certain schools that said, you're involved in this. If you are guilty, you are fired. There are other schools that are like, nah, we're just going to suspend you for a little while. That doesn't teach anybody anything. 
that doesn't teach anybody anything. If these people are corrupt, twisted, disgusting, and gross, and you have suspended them, all they're thinking in their head is, yeah, man, bro, I just got suspended for like a couple months till this thing blows over. They're making phone calls still. Hey, yo, Adidas, um, you know, so let's figure this out. I know we're in trouble right now, but is there a way to get another 50000 through because I got to make this thing happen with this recruit? I mean, some schools fired people that are involved, and other schools said, you're suspended. You're suspended. And maybe inevitably they'll fire them. And I'm not wishing on people to get fired. I'm saying this is the annoying moment of the week because look at how deep this thing is going. And we have barely touched the iceberg on this one, folks. If you believe that the NCAA is an upstanding organization that only does good by people and cares about its student-athletes above all things, you're stupid, okay? It's stupid. I don't want to say you're stupid. You're ill-informed. Let me say that. Stupid's not a good word. You're ill-informed. The NCAA is crooked, okay? They are crooked. They make monies on they make more money off the back of student athletes than you want to believe. But God forbid a student athlete can put his name on the back of a jersey and make some money off of those. If you sell a number 15 jersey at Syracuse from 2003 on, it's a Carmelo Anthony jersey in a lot of people's minds. Carmelo Anthony doesn't make any of that money. So let's say Carmelo Anthony never made it to the NBA. Let's say Carmelo Anthony is is back in Baltimore, Maryland. Let's say Carmelo Anthony is fighting for a job. Let's say Carmelo Anthony doesn't have a lot of money. Look at how much money he made the NCAA. Look at what he did in his run to the Final Four, the championship game, and the title. And then understand the fact that he gets 0% of his jersey sales, 0% of his t-shirt sales, because they can't put Anthony on the back of it. And even if they did, he's not getting money for it. And all the video games with his likeness. Yeah, they didn't want to pay them either. Figure that out. The NCAA reaps the benefits of the student-athlete, but the student-athlete doesn't reap benefits of themselves. The student-athlete is the one that's going to work while the NCAA is sitting there watching. The NCAA is sitting in a room watching the game. And the student-athlete's doing the work. They're the one that's out. And I'm not saying people in the NCAA do nothing. I'm saying they are watching the NCAA tournament, from the comfort of their own home. And guess what? Money, 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 money. Who sees that? Not the student-athlete. But if the student-athlete takes $5 from somebody, whoop, that's a bribe. Hey, we made $1.5 million off you yesterday, but that $5 is going to change your life. And it's, it's just... It's, it's sickening. And the thing is, the FBI is doing the, this investigation. The FBI pushed the NCAA aside and said, you don't know what the hell you're doing. We're going to do what we need to do. So the thing that needs to be brought up now, it's not all about the teams. Okay? It's not all about the teams. It's not about South Carolina, Oklahoma State, USC, Arizona, Auburn, Louisville, Miami, Alabama. It's not just about them and anybody else that's implicated in this thing. This is about the NCAA. Because look at how many teams I just named. If Alabama, Miami, Louisville, Auburn, Arizona, USC, Oklahoma State, South Carolina. This is country-wide. Country-wide. And if you don't think that there's some nooks and crannies that haven't been named in these teams that I just named, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're insane. Because this is a deep, disgusting rabbit hole to jump down. We all float down here. Yeah, I think you do. The problem is... The FBI 
had to do this. The NCAA didn't do this. Why didn't the NCAA do this? And how come the now how come the FBI knows all this? I thought the NCAA was supposed to be a check and balance. I suppose they I, I thought they were supposed to know everything that everybody does wrong all the time. How did this happen? How did Miami, who just got charged with something, how did this happen to Miami with them not knowing? Is Miami not on probation? How did they not know about Alabama, one of the biggest schools when it comes to college sports in general? How did they not know about Rick Pitino? How did they not know about Auburn? How did they not know USC or South Carolina? South Carolina and Oklahoma State with the same common denominator with Lamont Evans. How did they not track Lamont Evans? How did they not know what was going on in Arizona? How did they not know? How did they not know? That's the question that we all ask, right? How did the NCAA not know? Well, turn it the other way and say this to yourself. How did the NCAA know and do nothing? How did the NCAA know and sit on their hands and do absolutely nothing? That is the question that the FBI needs to ask, and that is the question that needs to be brought up. I told you this last year. I said, if the NCAA continues to make rules for different schools, and if the same school does the same thing or the same coach does the same thing and gets a different punishment, if the NCAA does not have concrete rules and does not have concrete consequences and does not treat every school the same, irregardless of how good they are or how not great they are in a sport, I said to you last year that I promise you, we are seeing the beginning of the end of the NCAA. I told you that. We are seeing the beginning of the end of the NCAA. What do you think this did? What do you think this did to the NCAA? You think the NCAA is going to just walk away from this thing? You think the NCAA? The FBI is going to want to know, why didn't you say anything about this? What's the NCAA going to say? We complied with everything. We told them everything they needed to know. We did everything that we had to. When is the NCAA going to answer for their own sins, their own missteps? When is the NCAA, when is the NCAA going to answer for what's going on? Yeah, Act of course said it's a rabbit hole that just got opened up. This is a beginning of what the NCAA is going to, or what the FBI is going to find. When I picture the NCAA, and this is my opinion, when I picture the NCAA, I picture them picking up a bunch of rocks in the middle of the forest, and they see what's under each one of them. They put some down that have stuff under them, and they go, oh, this had nothing. This had nothing. This had nothing. Oh, didn't see anything here, Bob. Did you see anything? No. No, no, Bill, I didn't see nothing. Then they pick up another rock, and they're like, ah, we really don't care about that. That's good. Pick that up. Let's bring that there. I love covering college basketball and college football and college soccer and college this and college that and college the other thing. I love it all. I love the NCAA tournament. But for a ruling body to be, or not a but, an aside, okay? I love going there. And aside to this is we live in a free country with free speech. If nobody's questioning the NCAA, I am at a loss. And yeah, if I'm USC or I'm Arizona, and there's fingers pointed at me, yeah, I, I got to take that, right? But it's okay for the USC going, uh, FBI, you found me. How did the NCAA not find me? Ask yourself that question. How did the NCAA not know what I was doing, but you do?
How do you know what I'm doing? You just went through a shakeup in director and this, that, and the other thing. You've been dealing with the president and all of his comments. How did you have the time for this and the NCAA didn't? How did you find me and the NCAA didn't? Or did they, but they just didn't? Or did they, but we just made an agreement? I'm not saying any of this happened. I'm saying none of this came as NCAA finds that, blah, 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 FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation that goes after terrorists, investigated schools inside of the NCAA. So my biggest part of the annoying moment of the week is FBI, can you do something just for me? Maybe you find nothing. But just for me and for all of us that have wondered and asked the question, and more than enough people in Syracuse that would love to know, could you just investigate the NCAA? Could you investigate them as a, as a body, as an organization, and see how far their corruption goes? If you find nothing... You find nothing. But I'm going to put my chips on the fact that you're going to find something. Because if you look and follow the bouncing ball, UConn gets punished differently than Syracuse, and UConn committed more egregious things toward NCAA rulings, while they and they broke more rules. St. Bonaventure was punished immediately, where other schools, they waited forever to punish them. Some schools like Kentucky, where I've spoken with former players that are like, yeah, not only did I get paid when I went to Kentucky, but they gave me stock in the Kentucky Derby, and I still had it 30 years later. Yeah, that never came out. (laughs) So, I mean, players freely talk about it now. They're not under the NCAA. You can go out golfing with somebody. They're going to tell you what's up. Oh, yeah, Dan. Such and such went to this school because there was a bunch of, there was $100,000 that showed up in a van, and his father called him and said, hey, I just took the money. You're going to this school. I've heard these stories because these players got nothing to hide. If the NCAA wants to continue to police every school, the thing is you don't want a crook policing crooks. You don't want that. You want somebody who has morals, values, and and, and the wherewithal to go do that, right? If you're in jail and you're policing other people in jail, I mean, there's it's just a respect. Okay, if, you, if you're looking for people that cheat on their spouses and you cheat on your spouse, it's just, it, I, it, I don't see it the same way. It's like, how dare you tell me how to live my life? You're doing the same thing. You're a hypocrite. Nobody likes hypocrites. You know the only people that like hypocrites? Hypocrites. The only people that like hypocrites? Other hypocrites. Proven fact. So in the NCAA to go, oh, FBI, how did you find all this stuff? I mean, we were going through all these papers, and we swear we got to this story right after you did. You got it, and like two minutes later, we were printing out the faxes, and oh my gosh, twinsies. No. The NCAA needs to be investigated fully and to the highest extent of the law by the FBI. 
Because these schools, if they done wrong, they done wrong. But if I was any one of these schools that was implicated in this FBI investigation, I would say, you could do what you want to do to me, but if you don't go after the NCAA, you and I are going to have problems. There is no check and balance to the NCAA. There is nobody the NCAA has to listen to. The NCAA looks like they just stepped aside. Do you not feel that way too? And that's why I said I want to I want to learn more and go through this more. I feel like the NCAA just the FBI came in, went after these schools, and the NCAA was like and just kind of sidestepped out of the cartoon. I want the NCAA investigated. And I promise you, and I promised you this last year, without this happening, what's happening right now, I said, let the NCAA keep doing what they're doing, and I promise you, it will crumble. It will not be what you think it's going to be. The Power Five have no problem detaching. They can detach. They have their own set of rules. The Power Five basically went to the NCAA and said, we do not need you. So you're going to do what we want you to do, or bye-bye. And you can't live without us. The NCAA is on thin ice. Thin ice. Everything that was uncovered in North Carolina, no punishment. Everything uncovered in Syracuse, 101 games. Fans with any type of brain have said to me, how is this possible? You know what my answer is? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this pass through legislation. I don't know. I don't know. Because it's not right and it's it just doesn't make any sense. So NCAA, you're the annoying moment of the week. Because guess what? You didn't investigate, or maybe you did, but you did nothing. The FBI did it. The FBI did your job. Which brings up for the umpteenth time my question, are you doing your job to the fullest extent for every school irregardless of your personal relationships with those schools. Are you treating everybody the same? Are you investigating everybody? Are you looking into everything? If I'm the FBI, why the hell would I do this? Unless I seek something to gain from this. There's something to gain. Why would they get involved in sports? It's not like it came up that people were raping people and this and the other thing where you're like, oh my God, this is a crime to humanity. This is money. Why are you going after this? Unless there's a big cake at the end of this thing, why are you going after this? So, if I'm the FBI and I know there's over 300 schools and this and that and the other, there are 351 schools just in Division One men's basketball. And I already found that 10 are at fault. I'm turning to the NCAA and going, uh, yeah, this isn't one or two. Why don't you come in on Monday? And you better do it, FBI. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out to do this. Because we have asked questions for years about the NCAA. For years about the NCAA. And I respect the badge of the FBI. And I respect the badge of the CIA. So I'm asking you to do something that nobody has done up to this point, and that is to tell us what the NCAA really is doing behind closed doors, in the shadows, in the dark. 
and why they can do what they want to do, how they want to do it, whenever they want to do it, and all the rules are fluid. Please don't just investigate these schools. Investigate the ruling body that says that they see every school and know what you're doing and will handle blah, 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 BS. The NBA caught, or the FBI caught it. The NCAA allegedly did not. I want to know why. I want to know, did they catch it and do nothing about it? I want to know, were they too stupid to catch it? Were they paid off not to catch it? I want to know. Because just simply saying, USC, nah, they're a bad school. Mm, Arizona, you're a bad, mm-mm-mm, can't do that. I want to know why Papa, who sits in the big chair, didn't know what his kids were doing. And Grandpa FBI had to come over and say, uh, yeah, NCAA, uh, your kids are out there playing in the street right now. They almost got hit by cars. And the NCAA going, I have kids? What? <laughs> so the NCAA needs to be investigated to the highest extent of the law. And then us as fans can sleep better at night. Because at least we know something's being done. This doesn't acquit the schools of what they've allegedly done. But once again, the question stems, the question is, why did the FBI have to do this? Why did the FBI have to find this? Why didn't the NCAA take care of this before? Why didn't the NCAA uncover this? Why didn't the NCAA punish this? Why didn't the NCAA stop this? Why NCAA? Those questions have been going on for years and years and years and decades. Why didn't the NCAA fill in the blank? They should not be allowed to threaten, push, tell, this, that, and that. Nobody is above the law, is how it's supposed to be. So you can't threaten to shut a mouth or threaten to do this or threaten to do that. If you have done wrong, accept it. For you to have a blemish and to go after people with blemishes, it's a hypocritical situation. I'm happy that the FBI is uncovering what's wrong with institutions. And if it's your institution... I'm sad that it is your institution, but if they're breaking the rules, hey, guess what? They're breaking the rules. But if there's other schools out there that are doing it, then they should get caught. If there's other schools out there that are doing the same thing that these schools are doing or worse, then these schools should not be punished and then the other schools are scot-free. But the NCAA has a lot of explaining to do. And I'm still waiting for them to explain it. And this is not just for the benefit of the FBI and for us. This is for the NCAA. If they don't change the way that they have gone down this path of complete immunity, they will fall. I promise you they will fall. I'm seeing it. I've seen it for a while. If the NCAA doesn't become the ruling body they're supposed to be, it doesn't treat people equally and punish, give the same punishment for the same crimes and have a level of crimes and not have favoritism and not overlook a school and then attack another one and then not punish Jim Bayheim for everything he did and take 101 wins from him. And then Rick Patino's got prostitutes on campus and he didn't lose 101 games. 
What's worse, a prostitute or the YMCA paying? I mean, is that even a question? So, I have a lot of questions for the NCAA. None of them are getting answered. I'm hoping that the FBI will seek those answers. We will take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. When we come back, we will get into Sound Bites of the Week, proudly brought to you by Sal's Restaurant in just a moment. I want to thank Carvel DeWitt for the annoying moment of the week. 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York, and it is the home of the Wake Up Call Sunday, the signature Sunday you can exclusively get at Carvel DeWitt. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, drysiglady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. Green's Ale House and Grill, located on 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York, is your home for all the games all the time, Sunday through Saturday, no matter what the sport is. It's also your home of Wingmaster Jabber, who's constantly in the kitchen creating wings that have won awards and you love to eat every single day of the week. At Green's, you'll also find the Wake Up Call with Dan Tatora live on location coaches show, exclusively dedicated to the Oswego State Lakers' numerous sports programs. There's only one place to go in Oswego, and that is Green's Ale House and Grill, 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York. We'll see you there. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. 
Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Manja! Wake up call listeners. No, seriously. Eat up at Manja Italian Grill. Open six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday at 2 Oswego Street in Baldensville, right on the Seneca River. Every Thursday is game show night from 7 to 9 p.m. hosted by Dan Tortora with live music every weekend. Join us every Sunday for brunch at 10 a.m. and don't forget to try our famous Lobster Bloody Mary. Call us at 315-638-8500 for reservations, parties, and catering or visit us at manjabeville.com. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, live from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It is that time of the show to do Sound Bites of the Week and it is jam-packed this week of Sound Bites, proudly brought to you by Sales Restaurant on 41 East Genesee Street in the village of Baldwinsville, the home of the only trivia you need to be going out to every single week, and that is Wednesday at 7 p.m. at Sales Restaurant. Make sure you come out, play free live trivia with us. It's fun. It's exciting. We get through it quickly. You're not there all night long. You're playing. You're having fun. Questions on sports, music, movies, TV, geography, U.S. history, pop culture, this, that, and everything under the sun. A lot of fun. Get your team together and come out and play. Thank you to the countless amounts of teams that we have had and the amazing, amazing response we've gotten from you in the first five months of bringing trivia to Baldwinsville, to Sales Restaurant. Thank you so much for that. With that being said... Sales Restaurant proudly presenting Sound Bites of the Week, a signature segment created here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. The first sound bite of this week is going to come to you from Dave Clausen. Dave Clausen of the Wake Forest Demon, Demon Deacons is the first up here on the Sound Bites of the Week for this week. And I want to thank Dave Clausen for being a part of the show. First and foremost, I asked Dave about his quarterback, John Walford, having three touchdowns on the ground in the first four games and having no interceptions through these first four games. Just what he can say about how John's excelled from the time that he got there as head coach to what he's seen from his quarterback now, as well as being mistake-free in interceptions so far. Well, that, uh, you know, our first two years here was a major problem that we were you know, turning the ball over and not getting it turned over and uh, you know going in the last year you know we just continually stress and practice and devote time 
to working on turnover margin, both on offense protecting the football and securing it in traffic. And, um, you know, you, you want your quarterback to play aggressive, but also to, to be smart. And there's times to take chances and times that you maybe don't want to try to fit it in the tight window. And, um, you know, I think John has learned that very well. And, you know, I think as we've improved on the perimeter, uh, you know, guys are getting a little bit more open maybe than they had the first two years and, and last year. So um, John has certainly improved, but I think probably as importantly, I think we've improved around him that, you know, we've been able to protect him a little bit better this year and the receivers are getting open a little better. And, uh, you know, all those things have to happen in order for a quarterback to be effective. And then on the other side of the ball, obviously defense has been a key for you since coming to Wake Forest, and the team has consistently improved in that respect. Just what you can say you've seen out of the defense this year, and you know as comparative to what you expect out of them moving forward. Well, I, I've said this many times. I mean, we we were very fortunate that we inherited um, a number of good defensive players when we got here, um, and uh, played good defense for the first three years, and. and we have three new coaches on defense now, and, and what we do is very similar, uh, but there's some different changes. And in some spots, we got a lot of a little younger where guys graduated. Um, you know, and, and we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with with how we're playing. I think kids are playing hard. Um, you know, it's still obviously not mistake free. We gave up a number of big plays on Saturday that um, at times put us in a tough position and. Uh, obviously, the, the skill level that we're going to face this Saturday is, um, you know, a, a whole nother level up from what we've seen the first four weeks. So, um, you know, we're playing well, but we're, we're going to get challenged um, very much so this, this Saturday um, with the skill level of Florida State. That coming from Dave Clawson of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, their head coach. And moving on in Sound Bites of the Week to my conversation on the ACC teleconference with Georgia Tech head coach Paul Johnson. Here's his answers to my questions for this week, starting with my first question to Paul Johnson, which had to do with his thoughts on the play of his quarterback, Taquan Marshall, so far this season. Taquan being somebody that's taking over this team this year and trying to lead them under center. And this is what Paul Johnson had to say about his quarterback through the first few weeks of the season. Well, I think Daquan's still uh, learning. Uh, he does some really good things. He's, he's a really good athlete, and he can make some, some great individual plays. He's got to be more consistent and be, be uh, you know, more attention to detail. He can do a little better with his fundamental stuff, his footwork, his measurements, all those kind of things. But for a guy who just started playing, he's, he's done a, a nice job, and we're excited that uh, that he's playing well. So I think he, like the rest of the team, will continue to get better, and, and certainly we're going to have to as we get deeper into our schedule. On the focus from the outside looking in, there's always a lot of talk about your offense, but defensively in the two victories that you have this season, you've held opponents to 17 or just what you can say about what you've seen defensively from your team and, and you know maybe some of the leadership through these first few games. I know you've only played three, but some of the leadership that's shown up on defense at this point. Well, we've played much better defensively the last two games. Uh, we, were, we were hoping that the defense would be able to carry the offense a little bit early on because they've got you know, seven or eight starters back we do on defense. 
and we were breaking in a lot of new guys. Offensively, we only have one senior that's actually playing on offense. So uh, the last two games, they've done a nice job of creating some negative plays, and, and third down defense has been uh, way better than it has been in the past. So hopefully we can continue on that trend and continue to play the type of defense we played the last two weeks. It'll be a, a challenge this week. They have a lot of good skill guys. Their quarterbacks are mobile and can can hurt you running and throwing. And uh, as I said, we've had a hard time slowing them down the last couple of years. Up next on Sound Bites of the Week, proudly brought to you by Sales Restaurant with some great bites that you will find every single day of the week. One of the great things is they do garlic knots there. And they had these garlic knots that were opened up and there was meat inside of them. So I, I said, I was like, what are those? I went in yesterday and I was like, what are those? And they're like, oh, those are steak sliders. And I was like, looks like Philly cheesesteak inside of a garlic knot. And if those aren't some of the best bites you could think of, I don't know what you're thinking of, man. You got to get yourself over to Sal's Restaurant, 41 East Genesee Street in the village of Baldwinsville. And try those out today. Let me know what you think. Up next, in Sound Bites of the Week, proudly brought to you by Sales Restaurant, Larry Fedora on the other side of this matchup with Georgia Tech. You just heard from Paul Johnson. Now it's time to hear my one-on-one conversation with Larry Fedora from the ACC Teleconference. I want to thank the Teleconference and the ACC as a conference as a whole for giving us the opportunity, people like me, the opportunity to speak with coaches from all over the country and get to have conversations with them on this teleconference that I can share here on the show. So a big thanks to the ACC for what they do. Larry Fedora on the other side of the Georgia Tech matchup for the North Carolina head coach. What he's taken away from his quarterback, Chaz Surratt, so far. What he can say about Chaz early on in Chaz's career. Well, first of all, I've seen a lot of growth in Chaz, uh, just in one, in maturing within the offense, understanding that, uh, you know, he's he's growing as far as understanding that, you know, he just has to stay within the system. If he stays within the system, good things usually happen. Uh, He's he's been very uh, accurate with the ball. He's thrown some really good balls. He hasn't really forced many things. And uh, he's uh, run the ball very effectively. So he's doing the things that we need him to do to be successful. All we got to do is, uh, you know, he can't push and he's got to take care of the football. And uh, you brought up running the ball. Looking at the backfield, I know that going into this season, a lot of new names back there. Just what you can say about what you've seen from your rushing attack up to this point. Well, we've got to get more production out of our running backs. Uh, Both uh, young guys are, are doing a good job. We've just got to get more production out of them, and that's a combination of everybody. That's the offensive line, the tight ends, the receivers, you know, and them and their effort and uh, making sure that we get uh, every inch we can. Following this matchup, we have a matchup staying in the state of North Carolina. We have a matchup between Duke, the Blue Devils, and the Miami Hurricanes. We'll hear first from David Cutcliffe and his direct responses to my questions on the ACC teleconference this week in Sound Bites of the Week, exclusive segment on Wake Up Call, proudly brought to you by Sales Restaurant. David Cutcliffe, what redshirt senior cornerback Brian Fields Jr. has done through these first few games? Two interceptions in the first four games of the season. What can he say about redshirt senior cornerback Brian Fields Jr. is where we get started. He's as good a captain as you could have also, and he's as good a captain as you could have on the practice field, and that's where it matters most. Um, The 
reason he's successful, the reason he has four pick sixes in his career, the reason he seems to always be around is he's athletic, he's got great feet, uh, but, but Brian studies the game, he prepares. His practice habits, it's, it's a joy to watch him in individual drills, group drills, our competitive drills that we do each Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, best against best. You know, Brian is showing the way, and that's that's who he is. And he's a great student, and a great person. Um, so you, you love the fact when you have young people like like Brian Fields on your team. And the ACC so far at this point through the first four weeks. Clemson's where people expect them to be. Virginia Tech is 4-0. You're 4-0. Wake Forest is 4-0. Just what you can say about the strength of this conference and, and seeing teams like your team rise in these first four games and seeing teams like Wake Forest obviously take care of business at NC State despite their one loss, what they've done as well. Well, it's, uh, it's not surprising to me. Um, we, we, we watch a lot of tape in the summer, and of course a lot of it is associated with our conference schedule and as you looked at uh, returning squads we do summer scout reports on all of our opponents but you're also watching other ACC teams uh, that are playing people you're going to play so um, I, one of the comments we had as a staff throughout the summer was that this this there's as many good teams good players coming back as any year we can remember over the 10 years and that there's certainly balance in this league. Um, you, you have to play your, your best. Uh, you have to hope hope that you can stay healthy and um, you got to prepare well every week. And if you don't, you're, you're going to come out on the, the short end of it. And it, it's, it's early yet. We, we have no idea the direction it's going to take. All we know is that we can have to prepare one week at a time and be as good as we can be. And we got a big task against a 2-0 Miami team, and the only reason they're not uh, undefeated with more games is obviously the tremendous um, circumstance they've had to deal with. That coming from David Cutcliffe, and on the other side of his matchup, which will be tonight in a primetime matchup on ESPN at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I told you yesterday that I'm going to be watching a lot of football tonight. Miami at Duke, and then USC at Washington State. Doubleheader on ESPN. Very excited about this game. You heard from David Cutcliffe on the Duke side of things. And on Miami side of things, I spoke with Mark Richt this week. And we're going to start with how he saw the team weather what was going on with their families, with themselves, and with the schedule with Hurricane Irma. So how did they literally weather the storm that just happened? Right. Well, you know, we went two and a half weeks without going to school. Our campus... uh let people out early enough to make preparations for the hurricane and then after the storm it took probably a week later than everybody thought it would to get back where we could go to class again so um and then we couldn't be on campus uh, as well to even practice so that's why we spent a week in orlando there after everything settled down but i mean the goal from the very beginning was to focus on safety focus on our families focus on what's best for each player individually, each staff member individually, and and then just go do it, you know. So there was no thought of football probably for at least a week, if not longer. And then uh, by the time we gathered everybody up from all over the world, basically, 
uh, it, we, we finally got a chance to get in Orlando and spend about eight days before last game. Going to have an opportunity to get back to things, and most recently Malik Rozier, what he's done for you in the game up against Toledo and moving forward, just what you can say he's shown you. I know you've only had a, a short right. amount of time with him on the field this season, but what you can say about it so far. Well, I, I think, first of all, he did a great job of competing for the for the job. I mean, he um, it was an open race, truly open race between him and Evan Sheriffs and uh, you know uh, Nikosi Perry and Cade Weldon, two true freshmen. I gave everybody an opportunity to win that job legitimately, and, and he won it he, by showing up to work every day with the right attitude, with the right focus, the ability to hit, the, hit his target, and you know his understanding of the offense. Um, and the fact that he wasn't going to put the ball in harm's way. He made very few decisions that could have even been close to being interceptions. And uh, he won the job that way. And following Mark Richt to head over to the Atlantic Division from the Coastal Division and catch up with former Syracuse assistant coach Steve Adazio and what he had to say from Boston College about his defense in last week's game on the road against Clemson in Death Valley the game was 7-7 going into the fourth quarter. Boston College has been known for their defense. They've been known for the strength of the defense over time, have been ranked number one in defense in the past, and they held Clemson at Clemson to a 7-7 game heading into the fourth quarter despite the loss. What can Steve Adazio say about that? Yeah, I mean, we, we played it right into the fourth quarter. and It was a 7-7 game in the fourth quarter, and then it became a 14-7 game left in the whole game. I thought we went toe-to-toe. I thought we played them really physical. They're an outstanding football team. We all know that. That's duly documented. At their place, at home, I thought we went in and played them really well on defense and on offense. I thought on offense, you know, uh, we made some plays, had some opportunities, made some, missed them. We missed a field goal early in the first half, which would have put us up 10-7. And uh, I thought we competed as hard as we're going to compete. And uh, um, we, uh, at the very, very end, in the last five minutes of the game, three minutes of the game, we let up a punt return and then had some, you know, some real, uh, we ran out of gas a little bit. We got pretty depleted. You know, we we took a lot of injuries in the game and we took a lot of injuries going into the game. So we were a little bit depleted by the time we got to the last five, three minutes of the game. But in the body of the game, I thought our kids played uh, extremely well, really tough, really physical. It's the best on defense that we've played against Clemson and especially down at their place. Um, and they're outstanding. <clears throat> so I thought there was a lot of positives we could take from that game on both sides of the football. I thought our in offense, we have a freshman center, freshman quarterback, freshman tailback at the apex of the offense, and I think that they were able to go in there and manage that game, that, that, that game atmosphere very, very well. So there's, there's a lot of great things that happen there for us to continue to build with. And you mentioned uh, freshman quarterback Anthony Brown. Just what you can say about what you've seen out of him. I know Darius Wade had some time, and Anthony Brown had the majority of it most recently. What has Brown shown you in his young career in, in college football for you so far? Right. Well, he's Anthony's had the majority of it for the first four games of the season, and he yeah. showed us some poise. He showed us the ability to throw the ball, the ability to make good decisions, and, and the ability to have poise. He's had some ups and downs like any young guy would have when they come in here like this. I mean, we have played some outstanding football teams right now. I mean, we're not, we're not, you know, in that situation where we, you know, had three games, you know, three kind of fluffy kind of games. That's not been the case for us in the last two weeks. We played two of arguably some of the top football teams in the country. So we're we're growing this team and this. Quarter 
up on the road at night. And the next week he had to operate with a center that had never played a college football game or had never played center before. And the next week he had to play Notre Dame in that environment at our place, and then he had to go on the road and play Clemson down there. I'd say he's had a pretty good indoctrination in the college football. Once again, that being from Steve Adazio, former Syracuse assistant and head coach of Boston College's Eagles team. The final two sound bites of this week, proudly brought to you by Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, courtesy of the Atlantic Coast Conference, are from the matchup that you've all been waiting for, and that is Dave Doran's NC State team against Dino Babers' Syracuse team. Syracuse in their second season with Dino Babers, and Dave Doran's had some time to build his team on the other side a little bit longer than Dino as they get set for this matchup in NC State's home territory. Syracuse on the road at NC State, Saturday, September 30th at 12.20 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're like me, you'll be watching the game at Sammy Malone's because then you're going to be at Sammy Malone's from 3 to 5 in Baldwinsville for my live show with the Baldwinsville Bees, so you don't want to miss that. So you get a little doubleheader. Watch the Syracuse-NC State game, watch us live, do our show with the Baldwinsville Bees, exclusive engagement, and then go home happy that you spent your day well. So, NC State and Syracuse are the last two sound bites. These are the direct responses from the coaches to my questions that I posed to them this week on the ACC teleconference. We'll start with Dave Doran on what the offensive weapons of Naheem Hines and Jalen Samuels have done so far this season, including in the recent win over Florida State on the road. This is what Dave Doran had to say. And to the other side of that matchup, coming off of Dave Doran's comments to me on the ACC teleconference this week, heading into his matchup with Syracuse at home in North Carolina, this is what Dino Babers had to say on the other side of it. First and foremost, starting the conversation with Dino Babers on 
special teams with Sterling Hoffrichter, their punter, punting the ball inside the five more than once to the one at one point, which helped set up the safety for Syracuse. Just what he could say about his special teams unit as a whole against LSU in a road game that was almost won by Syracuse. This is what Dino Babers had to say to that. We will take a fast break and come back with fantasy football right after you hear from Dino Babers. Well, obviously they were they were outstanding the LSU game and uh, that hit in yards was, was one of the key parts of the game that kept us in the game. And Sterling's an outstanding punter. You know, I keep telling all the uh, all the young ladies around campus, you better grab him because he's going to be working on Sundays. Your lifestyle is going to be pretty well. I mean, the guy is an outstanding student. He's a fine he has a fine fine representative of this football team on and off the field. And he goes about his business in a very serious, serious manner. And oh yeah, he's an NFL punter. And then when you look to the offensive side of the ball, obviously Eric Dungy has had heroics and done a lot of great things in his career in at Syracuse. But when you look at this game and, and I, I know coming out in the second half he had gotten around the team on the field and it was trying to rally everybody together. It was after the LSU score to start off the second half, and you could see the leadership and you could see the intensity that he had. Just what you can say about what he does to bring the team back to focus and get the team back in it, and obviously made the game 28-26 later on. You know, we have two heartbeats. You know, we you got Zaire Franklin on offense, and you I mean on defense, and you've got to Eric Dungey on offense, and those guys play very passionately, sometimes too passionately, but sometimes they need to keep it under control so they can so they can operate at a high manner at a high level. But there's no doubt that those two individuals want to win in the worst way, and they're fantastic competitors. This is a wake up call, fast break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing 
their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast inside of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dan Tortora special. Make sure you grab yours today. Belgian waffle cut in half, filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelet. My spin on the breakfast sandwich, available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner exclusively at the Market Diner. In this part of the morning menu, it is exciting for every single fantasy owner, NFL owner, football owner, football fan in general, or any human being in the world that knows nothing about football because we make you laugh, we have some fun, and hopefully give you some information that will help you out as you move forward into the Sunday and Monday matchups of Week 4 in the NFL. I don't do this by myself. I'm very happy to be joined by my partner, Mike Sofka, in this segment, Fantasy Football Friday, which is proudly presented to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, right there in the Home Depot Plaza If you're watching the games anywhere else in central New York, you are at the wrong place, folks. Got to jump in to the Wildcat Sports Pub and just, I mean, you try their wings, their boneless wings, which are my favorite. Get the house special boneless wings and you will know that I have led you to the right destination. All the games on all the time. Make sure you come over to the Wildcat Sports Pub, the hub of fantasy football in central and upstate New York and home of all four of the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Leagues in New York. And for the one down in Florida that Mike and I are in, I'm very happy to say that Mike and I have been around each other working side-by-side with fantasy football, playing up against each other for now eight seasons and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome the man who brought you Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com and his fantasy advice to the broadcast today and every Friday. Mike, how you doing today? Awesome. How you doing? I'm doing well. And Mike, first and foremost, I don't think you're surprised, nor am I surprised, about Thursday night football for week four. Green Bay winning over the Chicago Bears 35-14. to Jordy Nelson with two touchdowns last week, two touchdowns this week, Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns. But there is some surprise with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen not getting it done. But, you know, when you're a one-dimensional team that relies on the run, you could just stack the box and change the game. So, you know, what can you say about what you've taken away from this? Because my points are Jordy's, Jordy's strong as we thought he would be, Aaron's strong as we thought he would be, Geronimo Allison is showing up, and he's a free agent out there. And then Chicago's become one-dimensional, and it's affecting anybody that has Howard and Cohen. Yeah, it's not a good situation if you're on the Chicago Bears or your Chicago fan because not only are they only running the ball without their two receivers, you know, Kendall Wright looked okay. You know, he scored a touchdown. Um, Zach Miller they can get the ball to. But when your next best guy, 
guy receiving is Deontay Thompson. You got a problem. Now, Deontay Thompson, former Gator, you know, I, I, I'm rooting for the guy, but he's just not what they're looking for. And then that's crumbling back to Mike Glennon, who had problems even getting the snap last night. Two interceptions, 18.7 quarterback rating, which is pathetic. You know, it's, it's just a bad situation they have in Chicago. Hopefully they can work themselves out of it. On the flip side, you know, Green Bay, I was surprised at the injuries and how they're able to to endure and power forward even with the injuries. You know, at one time they had, uh, I think for most of the game, they had four guards playing on the line. You know, now you got a situation at running back with, you know, uh, Ty Montgomery. They said chest, but that's, you know, code for ribs. And, you know, he may be able to play with a shot in his ribs or something, just depending on how bad the ribs are or which ribs are, are affected. But I don't know if you've ever broken a rib, but that's painful, and it can be painful with every breath you take. And then, you know, to compound that, uh, Jamal Williams goes down with a knee, and now they have to put in Aaron Jones, who's never really taken a play from scrimmage in the NFL. The, the, the product at UTEP looked all right with 13 carries and a touchdown, but you know, he takes away some of the dynamic they have with the ability of Ty Montgomery to be a receiver and a running back. So, you know, Green Bay... Cards, I mean, Green Bay... Cards, I mean, Green Bay injury. Had to go through a bunch of injury. Had to go through a bunch of injury. Everybody, our hopes to everybody. Our hopes to everybody. 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 To be okay. Any team. To be okay. Any team. To be okay. Any team. To be okay, 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 team. To be okay. And obviously, for these for these uh, gentlemen to get back to the field very soon, and, and first and foremost, be healthy in general. But yeah, I mean, Green Bay. Green Bay is just finding a way to get it done. They're finding a way to work through this and this just goes to show you about the depth on a team when somebody when the next man up can step in and they can still protect Aaron Rodgers and they can still move the ball on the ground and still move the ball through the air Jordy Nelson's two touchdowns looked easy in this game very easy in this game Devontae Adams had a touchdown Jordy Nelson had two Aaron Jones had a touchdown with really his first real time he had the most carries in the game of any player for Green Bay with 13. And then on the other side of it, Jordan Howard, 18 carries for 53 yards, under three yards a carry, a touchdown. Tariq Cohen had four yards a carry, but only 24 yards on the night, 24 yards in receiving as well. So he finished it with 48. He has gone down and trended down from the first week of the season to where we are now. He has literally plummeted and Jordan Howard hasn't done much better, but he was able to get in the end zone for you. Mike, this is a complete I – mean, well, it's got fantasy implications, but is it time to put in Mitchell Trubisky for Chicago? I think they're going to. I think it um, you know, has been heading toward this, but at the same time, if you look at this week, they have like 11 days because they don't have a game you know, for you – know, because this was a Thursday game, so they have more time to prepare – a game plan surrounded around what Trubisky does. And the thing that Trubisky does a little bit better than Mike Lennon, he's a little more mobile. He can come outside on a bootleg. He can, you know, do some different things. You know, as soon as that pocket collapses on Lennon, it looks like he's in trouble. Now, I've seen him step up in the pocket before and be fine, but, you know, it looks like with their offensive line woes, they need to, in a, you know, the challenge that they have blocking and the, 
the, the challenge that they have of several players that wouldn't normally be playing, you know, that are playmakers on the offense, you know, it just looks like he's not suited for that situation. So, I mean, I like Mike Lennon as a quarterback. I think he's done, you know, a fine job when he's had the opportunity. It's just, it's not enough. It's not working. And uh, I think this is going to be an opportune time for them to see Trubisky. It'll be a home game in Chicago. They'll have more than a week to prepare. And, you know, it looks like everything's lining up for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see Mitchell Trubisky. I got to cover him when he was at North Carolina for a little bit. And, you know, obviously he was somebody who did a lot of things that people didn't expect. You know, Marquise Williams is the guy that Mitchell was behind. And Mitchell waited and waited and waited. I believe he was five years in when he finally got the opportunity to be the outright starter. And he did a good job with what he was able to do. I think his completion percentage was pretty high. And so it would be nice. I mean, Chicago traded up to get him. He's the number two pick overall. We saw what happened with Jared Goff. Where, where Jeff Fisher waited an eternity to put him out there, and then they lost their last seven or eight games with Jared Goff. And now you see Jared here in his second season, and look at what he's doing with the Rams. Imagine if he had gotten more experience earlier on. Would they be in an even better place? Would he be even more forward than where he is right now? Would he be at another level than he is because he was, you know, stunt. The growth was kind of stunted in the NFL. You don't want to see that happen to Mitchell Trubisky, and you can't really make the case for Mike Glennon at this point that he should be in the game and should be playing. And he's the leader, and he's this great guy. The team is one and three. They had a huge chance last night to be two and two, make Green Bay two and two, and be above Green Bay in the NFC North, which has become more difficult this season. But instead, I mean, it's funny how you can either be two and two, or one team's three and one and one and three. It's a world of difference, three and one, one and three, and then two and two, you're right there with each other. One game decides it, and Chicago was not in this game the whole game through. As far as Mike Glennon's statistics go, he has 93 comp- completions on 140 attempts, 66%, 833 yards, four touchdowns to five interceptions. Is a rookie quarterback going to do worse than four touchdowns to five interceptions? It kind of, those numbers to me sound like a rookie. So at this point, you know, they haven't protected him well. He's been sacked eight times in four games. But like I said, at this point, it's not like you got a guy with eight touchdowns and one interception and you're going to bench him. This is a this is somebody who struggled. The team's one and three. It's early enough in the season to shake things up and change things up. You're four games in. Do you really want to put Mitchell in in week nine or week seven when the team could lose another two to three, four more games? I don't think so. The next game up at Wembley Stadium in London, Jaguars played there last week, had a great time, 44-7 to win over Baltimore. New Orleans and Miami are playing each other there at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time to start off October on October 1st and start off Sunday's NFL matchups for week four. What do you have for New Orleans and Miami? Traditionally, Drew Brees doesn't usually play well on the road. This is a road game for both teams, so it's going to be a little bit different. You know, and I think the play that Brees has been putting out is a lot superior to Cutler. I, I have Brees as the number four quarterback this week against that Miami defense, and I have Jay Cutler on the other end. New Orleans defense is a lot easier to go against, yet Jay Cutler's only ranked the number 17 quarterback on my ranking. That's for a reason. He just... He hasn't been very good. 
they've been relying on Jay Ajayi, and he's my number eight running back this week. And, you know, he'll do a good job. They'll run the ball. They'll throw the ball to Jay Ajayi. He's been able to rack up some yards. Uh, New Orleans, on the other hand, has a situation at, at running back where it's still like a three-headed monster. It's kind of hard to rely on one guy as a as a running back one there. I got Mark Ingram as the number 27 running back this week. And, you know, at wide receiver, you're going to have strength in Michael Thomas. He's the number eight wide receiver this week. Uh, Devontae Parker looks good. He's the number 10 receiver this week against New Orleans. And, you know, tight end, nothing's really popping out at me. You know, Kobe Fleener's been coming on a little bit late. He's a low-end tight end one this week. And, you know, Julius Thomas for Miami really hasn't showed up as well. And, you know, you take that a little bit further, Jarvis Landry hasn't really been showing up either. So there's some woes on both sides of the ball. It should be a pretty good game to start your day on Sunday. And, you know, look for all your points to be from Jay Dye and Drew Brees. Yeah, you know, looking at this game, I mean, it's it's interesting because of what's happened recently with both of these teams. You know, when you look at Drew Brees, obviously he had the better game of Carolina who can't get their offense going. 22-29, 2-20, touchdowns, no interceptions. But there is that question of what is he going to do. Miami's obviously pissed off because they went to MetLife Stadium and played against the Jets and not only lost to the Jets but got – trounced by the Jets, got shut out in the first three quarters by the Jets, and scored six points in a 20-6 loss to a team that's probably only going to win three to four games this season. And the funny thing is, Ross Tretzky and I, when he came on, he's a big Jets fan, him and I discussed this, and we both said that they're probably going to steal one from Miami, and they absolutely did in this. Jay Ajayi had an uncharacteristic night. He was 11 carries for 16 yards against the the Jets. So that's not something that you expect to happen twice. Devontae Parker, is he got the touchdown in the game of all receivers, and he got the yardage, 76. And it's more even. It's, it's, it's very even, Jay Cutler. 11 targets to Jarvis Landry, 10 to Kenny Stills, 10 to Devontae Parker in the most recent game. I think that playing Landry or Parker is a good idea. I think Jay Ajayi, as he's a low-end running back two for me this week just because of his inconsistency. So I would look to play each of them from the Dolphins. As far as, as, far as Drew Brees and company go, it's hard to go against Drew Brees. Now, I had Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees on one of my fantasy teams this week. I leaned on Aaron Rodgers over Drew Brees. I know that you know Aaron was playing in a divisional game, but at the same time, New Orleans is going up against a team that's playing angry and playing upset, and I don't want to mess around with that. So I have Drew Brees as a quarterback two, low-end quarterback one in this week. Uh, Michael Thomas worth the play. Ted Ginn Jr., if you got to go deep in a flex position. If you're going to play any of the running backs, I feel best about Alvin Kamara more than Ingram and definitely more than Peterson because Kamara has been getting involved in the passing and the receiving game or pardon me in the receiving and rushing game in each of these he is a third round pick from New Orleans and he got the only touchdown on the ground last week so and he was averaging 18.5 yards a carry only carried the ball twice and had 37 yards Adrian Peterson carried the ball nine times and had four less yards with 33 so I don't think Peterson fits. 
I told a Giants fan this week when I was doing an event in Oswego that they should take Adrian Peterson and be done with it. And he makes sense with them. He goes, you know, I don't want Adrian Peterson for what he did to his son. And I was like, I totally understand that. If Adrian's going to go anywhere, though, I see the Giants being the team that makes the most sense. I think Ingram and Kamara could have a really great relationship in the backfield if they're there by themselves. Ingram, he's like a running back three to me this week. So is Kamara. But I feel better about Kamara than I feel about the other two, in all honesty, right now. And I want to give a shout out to the Saints who are trying to do the, they're trying to be with each other, be unified, not upset anybody. So they're going to kneel before the anthem together and stand during the anthem together so that they have a way to respect everyone. So I want to give a shout out to the New Orleans Saints who are trying to find the happy marriage of saying, we will kneel out of respect, we will stand out of respect. And you can't say anything about us because we care. And a shout out to Aaron Rodgers, who who had a post that he put up on Instagram that said, I wonder what's going to happen with the social media backlash of these camera people that were kneeling during the anthem with their hats on because they were filming the Packers. I thought that that was kind of a really funny approach for Aaron Rodgers to say, well, these guys are kneeling during the anthem and you're not saying a damn thing. So you know, shout out to Aaron Rodgers for trying to get people to, you know, laugh a little bit and, you know, find some camaraderie. Police brutality is nothing to laugh about. That's not what I'm saying by any stretch of the imagination. We have to stop what is going on with that. There's good cops. There's cops that are not the greatest. We need to weed out the bad ones, keep the good ones, obviously, and help all of our communities to feel safe and sound. It shouldn't be a white community, a brown community, a black community. It should just be a community. America is a melting pot, and we need to be open to the fact that all colors are together and they're not separate. Like I said, we need every single color to see light, and that's why you see rainbows when it rains. So please respect the fact that it is not the black, the white, the brown, the blue, the yellow, the orange, the pink community. It is one community, and I really hope that we can find a way to come together and that these peaceful protests will turn out to help out those that feel strife and, and feel like they're not safe so that we can live in a country where not only Mike and I and you and, and everybody listening right now, but every single one of your brothers, sisters, friends, our friends, our colleagues, everybody that we know can feel safe. So I know I took a step aside from fantasy football, but unless anybody, unless everybody feels safe in this world, Unless everybody feels like we have an equal opportunity, then I'm not going to rest until my brothers and my sisters, irregardless of color, background, money, whatever, feel just as good as I do about waking up in the morning and affecting the, the world in a positive way. So, Mike, I thank you for letting me step aside for a second, and I thank people listening. I just want everybody to come together and, and feel safe and feel good and I just, it breaks my heart with some of the stories that I've heard of people that I know and I love. So I hope that that changes very soon. And Mike, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. I'm, I'm sure that you, you would prefer that this world be good for all of us and not just for some of us. Yeah, let's just play some football. Let's, let's cut all the stuff. We're not politicians for a reason. Let's, let's, let's everybody do your job, show up and play. And, you know, if you have a, a situation where you want to make a protest, don't, don't do it to the expense of someone else, you know, just do your job, do your thing. And 
you know, how about on your off day on Tuesday or how about on your off time over the summer, you hands-on participate in the community to, to make, you know, things better. If you feel there's, you know, something bad, do something about it. But, you know, ticking somebody else off isn't isn't the reason, isn't the way to do things. You gotta, you're right, we do have to unify, we do have to come together. But, you know, firing a shot across the bow of somebody else is, is not a way to send peace. It's a way to send a warning shot. That's not a good thing. So hopefully this will all resolve itself. I have a feeling that after the backlash the NFL's received the past 10 days, and supposedly there's a coordinated effort to have a protest of the fans on the 12th, uh, Veterans Day weekend, they're planning on, uh, or at least there's a movement, if you would, where people are going to try to uh, protest some games and not show up to games and not participate, supposedly not watch on TV. I, I find a lot of that hard to, hard to believe, but, you know, it's it's just about, you know, trying to do the right thing by everybody. And I got news for you, you can't please everybody. It's not going to work that way. There's a lot of different people and a lot of different opinions. So you just have to find that middle ground, that common ground, and try to have everybody get along. Yeah, you know, and the, and the thing is there's there's a lot – there's a lot of work to do in America, and if we are the beacon of hope and the beacon of light for countries all over the world, we definitely need to be a little bit brighter because our light's gotten a little bit dim, so we need to work on that. Coming up next, the Bills at the Falcons. Buffalo, you know, my, let me ask you this, Mike, because I, I on Tuesday I talk about, you know, all the games and everything coming off of, you know, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday on the show here on Wake Up Call. I thought going into week three, I was making my picks because I do my predictions for game to game every single week. And I was like, okay, these are the teams I've chosen to win. But I had an eerie feeling that week three was going to be a weird week. I was like, you know what? I'm looking at the Jets game. I'm looking at the Bills game against the Broncos, the Jets against the Dolphins. I'm looking at the Steelers against the Bears. And I was like, I just feel like this is going to be a weird week. Did you get that notion of week three or were you completely shocked with some of the teams that won? You know, the, there's a lot of math involved in a lot of things like fantasy sports and even football to, to a degree. Um, you know, and sometimes it's funny. I mean, did you ever watch the lines in Vegas? Sometimes they're right on the money or within a half a point. You know, there's a lot of algorithms that go into those things. But, you know, it, it was a pretty shocking week to me. I, I was quite confident the Jets weren't going to win a game all year let alone have Miami struggle against them. And that, that touchdown they had was a was a garbage touchdown at the end. And, it, I, you know, I don't even know if you can really count that. But um, getting on over to the, to the Bills and the Falcons, I think that, uh, you know, if you have a quarterback in this situation, if you have a quarterback in this game, it better be Matt Ryan because Tyrod Taylor's just not putting up the numbers. Matt Ryan's a QB1. I got uh, Tyrod Taylor's a low-end QB2 this week. And, you know, running the ball, you would think that LaShawn McCoy would be a lot further up the ladder. I got him as a low-end running back one. And, of course, Devontae Freeman, the number six running back this week, he's just a terror every time he touches the ball, whether they throw the ball or whether they run the ball. And the sad thing is for Tevin Coleman is he's got Devontae Freeman in front of him. Tevin Coleman, a guy who could probably be a star on just about any other team, I have him as a high-end running back three this week or a great flex play. Uh, Receiver-wise, of course, Julio Jones, one of the top guys in the league. He's a premium wide receiver. You definitely want to play him. Uh, On the other side of the ball, you have a Jordan Matthews as the highest-ranked 
Buffalo receiver I have, and I, you know, I, I can't even really put my name or my thumbprint on him. He's a low-end wide receiver three this week. There's a lot better options out there. Hopefully you have one on your team. And, you know, at, at uh, tight end, Charles Clay has been turning it on lately. I don't know what the magic formula is there other than they can't get the ball to Jordan Matthews or anybody else on the team. So I think Charles Clay is a fine play. I think that um, if you're looking for a play at tight end from, you know, uh, from the Falcons, I think Austin Hooper is worthy of a tight end too. He's number 14 overall on my list this week. Yeah, you know, looking at, looking at this matchup for Buffalo at Atlanta, first and foremost, I think that it's time. And I said this, I said, listen, I said, if Tyrod Taylor can't get it done, now the Bills won a game, so they're probably not going to do this. But if the Bills struggle, if the Bills can't put points up, they could make an excuse and say we're at Atlanta and we're playing Atlanta, and Atlanta is a team that should have won the Super Bowl and they're a team that potentially is going back to the Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. But I'm saying at some point this season, I think it'll be time to show Nathan Peterman who is someone that they drafted out of Pittsburgh. And Nathan Peterman was, was another quarterback that I covered in this country. He's a pocket passer, and I think that he's going to make this team better. I think he opens up a guy like Zay Jones, who has been insignificant to the offense as a rookie so far as a wide receiver. So Tyrod Taylor is going to play in this game. But I said before, if Buffalo struggles early on, I want to see, even just to light a fire under Tyrod Taylor at a split time, I really, I would love to see Nathan Peterman in this game, you know, without injury to Tyrod Taylor, just saying in in general to see Nathan, but we probably won't. Hopefully at some point we will. I just want to see what the dynamic will be like in that respect. LaShawn McCoy, like Mike said, you're supposed to be able to just mail it in. You know LaShawn's going to do his job. He hasn't though. In the last two weeks, he's accumulated 30 yards. 30 yards in the last two weeks. First week he had 100. So... LaShawn McCoy is a low-end running back one for sure. Jordan Matthews is not a high-end wide receiver. He's a wide receiver three for me, but he has led the team in receiving all throughout the beginning of the season so far. When you go game to game, Jordan Matthews has been significant, not in getting in the end zone, but in getting you yardage. So that's something to look at. Charles Clay, if you got a two tight end set, not a bad person to have out there. He's not going to get you a ton of yards, but he has been consistently scoring better than other tight ends in the country so far. On the other side of it, you got to play Julio Jones. Taylor Gabriel, I said he's like a low end. He's like a wide receiver four for me. High end wide receiver four, low three. He, he finally got his first touchdown of the season last week against the Detroit Lions. He's somebody to consider if you have to dig deep or go to the waiver wire due to injury or go to the free agency due to injury. Devontae Freeman, I like him. you got to play him. Uh, Tevin Coleman, he is a running back three right now. He's not a two, unfortunately. I have him on some of my teams. I wish that he would be better, but he's a, he's a three right now because Devontae Freeman is took that big contract and is doing what I hope the young man would do, and that is not forget that you got to play football. Matty Ryan had three interceptions last week, but he is worth the play in this one against Buffalo, and they're at home in Atlanta, so I like that one for them for the Falcons moving forward. Cincinnati at Cleveland. The irony of this game is that they're playing at First Energy Stadium, yet Cincinnati did not show much energy in the first two games of the season, and Cleveland hasn't shown energy pretty much since they came back in 1999. So we're at First Energy Stadium, hoping to Jesus there'll be energy in this game. But Mike, history, if it's any proof of what the present will be, 
history tells us that this will be a 33-30 to game because they seem to play no defense and just try to outscore each other. What do you think about this one? Well, actually, if you're streaming defenses, if you go week to week and just pick the best defense, like let's say you weren't able to get a top defense and, you know, that happens, well, you just play matchups. This is a great weekend to pick up Cincinnati going up against the Browns because the Browns are just hapless at, at offense right now. Deshaun Kaiser's a rookie. Let's just call it what it is. He's a rookie. He's done. He's had some flashes of brilliance. He does some outstanding things. He can move. But at the same time, it is what it is. He's a rookie, and he doesn't have a lot of talented pieces around him. Um, hopefully you're not in a position where you have to start at Deshaun Kaiser. He's a quarter three this week. But on the other side of the ball, low-end quarterback, too, is Andy Dalton, who should have a better game this week. You know, he's got one guy to throw the ball to pretty much, Tyler Eifert's out, and that's A.J. AJ Green. AJ Green is a top level receiver. Most of the time, they're going to have to throw the ball, and they're going to throw the ball to an AJ Green. Don't forget, the Cleveland defense has been decimated. They they let Joe Hayden go. I, I don't know what's going on in Cleveland, but it's just not good offensively or defensively. You know, I think this is a breakout game for Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's the number nineteen running back on my board this week. I think we could see with that Bill Lazor focus on the offense, trying to get Joe Mixon more involved, trying to get him more touches, because he seems to be their, their their weapon in the ground game, if they can just figure out a way to get him the ball. On the flip side, Isaiah Crowell's probably not a, a top-tier running back at all. He's a, he's a running back three. Duke Johnson's been showing up if you're in a PPR league. That might even be a better play for you, but uh, receiver-wise, we talked about A.J. Green. There's not much to talk about from the Cleveland end. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you're trying to start a, a tight end like we talked about. Eifert is hurt. Njoku is a bottom-end tight end, too. He's starting to figure it out. and Hopefully him and Deshaun Kaiser can get a, a good uh, thing going there, quarterback to tight end, and, you know, hopefully that could be a surprise for you. Yeah, you know, in, in this matchup between the, the two teams in Cleveland, I want to start with Cincinnati, the road team. Andy Dalton, who I haven't really been sold on at all this season, uh, I would play him in this game. I would play Joe Mixon in this game. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is a flex guy for me in this one. He's somebody, if you if you have to go a little bit deeper to try and see what you can get out of this. He had nine points in this past week in, in the scoring as far as my league goes. He was able to get a touchdown. I want to look at injuries <clears throat> just to make sure that we give you an update here on Giovanni Bernard. Thigh injury made him limited in the middle of the week in practice. He's questionable. Brandon LaFell was questionable, but he's been a non-factor. And John Ross, I mean, this is a guy who I really anticipated and expected could help out A.J. Green, but we haven't seen him at full strength. He's been injured since he got into this first season, the rookie season for him. His knee is still sore, and he is questionable. Tyler Eifert, as Mike said, is out of the game. On the other side of it, Kenny Britt's knee has him as a limited participant in this game. Duke Johnson Jr.'s shoulder has him as a limited participant, and Isaiah Crowell's shoulder has him in the same place, questionable for the game. Sammy Coates, who a lot of people forgot from Pittsburgh, has a hamstring injury, and he's been limited as well. So with that being said, and one of their tight ends, Randall Telfer, is limited with a knee injury. So basically, when you're looking at Cleveland, it's easy to say in this situation with all those injuries to lean on David Njoku. He has scored in two out of the three weeks in his rookie season so far. He scored in week two and most recently in week three. He is trending up for me. He's not a big yardage guy, but he can get you a touchdown. 
So I look to David Njoku. If you have to have somebody out there as your tight end, he's not a bad decision to make. And Deshaun Kaiser, he shouldn't be your quarterback one or two. He's probably the third on your team. And if he lowered his interceptions, he would have had a pretty nice week last week with three touchdowns, 242 yards, two touchdowns passing, one on the ground, and 44 yards rushing to lead the team and match Isaiah Crowell in 44 yards. But he did it in less carries. Deshaun in seven. Isaiah in 12 to get to 44. So if Duke Johnson Jr. is healthy and you have to and you have to literally go to the bottom of the barrel of where do I go on my roster? I got a bunch of guys hurt. He should be if you have five, six running backs, he should be your fourth or fifth. If you have to go to him, you throw him in flex, but watch his injuries. Kenny Britt, if he's not hurt, is not a bad play to have in this game just because he has been able to get into the end zone, but. The Cleveland players' feet to the fire that I feel best about, David and Joku, and that's that's pretty much it. I mean, I got to go singular on that one. For Cincinnati, Andy Dalton, Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, if he's healthy, like I said, put him in flex. And A.J. Green's playing by himself, but he's coming off of a 13-target, 10-reception, 111 yards, and a touchdown. And Tyler Eifert's not going to be there to take anything away from him. John Ross isn't going to be there for that. So not a bad play, and Jeremy Hill hasn't really gotten involved too much in the passing game. It's been more Mixon and Bernard. So Mixon, Bernard, not bad plays, Green and Dalton as well. Before we take a step aside here, Los Angeles Rams at the Dallas Cowboys. Everybody a week ago was critiquing this going, well, the Rams are going to take care of business. Look at how terrible Dallas was against Denver. Now people are singing a different tune. The game is in Arlington, Texas with the Dallas Cowboys at home at AT&T Stadium. What do you think about this one, Mike? Well, this should be an interesting game. You know, if you have the quarterback in this game, you're hoping it's Dak Prescott and not, uh, not Jared Goff. However, Jared Goff has been playing very well for, you know, essentially only starting a few games last year, six games or so, and then, you know, stepping it up this year. He looks like a lot, lot better quarterback than I would expect to see at this point. So with that being said, he's still a low-end quarterback, too, for me this week going against the Dallas defense. Dak Prescott, number five quarterback this week. The running backs is where the money's at in this in this game here. Todd Gurley, number four running back this week. He seems to have found it again. I think what's happened is Jared Goff has proved as a weapon, so they no longer stack eight men in the box against them, knowing that Gurley's the only weapon. Because don't forget, they added Sammy Watkins on the outside, too, and Sammy Watkins is a wide receiver, too, this week. Uh, for Dallas, of course, you got Ezekiel Elliott. Hopefully he's fully bounced back. I don't know. I've been hearing some mixed things going on in Dallas here, but you got to play him. He's a running back one, definitely. And of course, you know, when you're talking about Dallas, you can't forget Des Bryant. Des Bryant's a high-end wide receiver, too, for me this week. Hasn't been getting it done, although he did carry about 15 guys into the end zone with him last week. Uh, tight end position, the only guy worth mentioning is a, is a Jason Witten. He's the number five tight end this week. Um, but the money, the real, the real impact in this game is going to be a running back yeah you know I, I think and I and I tend to agree with you that running back is the way to go Los Angeles being on the road first of all Los Angeles has allowed some points now they defeated the Colts 46 to 9 but it was Scott Tolzien so you know give credit where credit is due to the Rams but they did not have much pushback from the Colts the Redskins 
that was a loss for the Rams. They allowed almost 30 points, and they allowed almost 40 points against the 49ers. So that is obviously an issue, and it bodes well for the Dallas Cowboys. Looking at the injury report, not really too much of anything to be concerned about for the Cowboys or the Rams. Jared Goff, This I think this might be a high-scoring game. Jared Goff is a quarterback, too, for me in this game. Look at the numbers, almost 300 yards, 22 of 28 most recently, three touchdowns, no picks. I know it's against San Fran, so it's going to be different with Dallas, but he's a quarterback, too. Todd Gurley, you got to play him. He finally woke up, which is a beautiful thing to see. Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods have been consistently inconsistent. They both look beautiful, had over 100 yards on six catches apiece last week, but again, it was against the Niners. So I really feel good about Gurley. Cooper Cup, I don't anticipate him to be a non-factor like he was last week. So I have him as a flex position or wide receiver three this week. On the other side of things for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, not a bad play in this game because I do think that the scoring will be there. Ezekiel Elliott, also not a bad play in this game. And, you know, if you have to go to a wide receiver four and you're looking for somebody, Bryce Butler's not bad to get picked up. Des Bryant, if you got him, you'd feel weird not playing him. I understand that. He is a wide receiver, too, for me, just because his yardage hasn't been there despite getting into the end zone. We're going to do Detroit at Minnesota, and then we'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. You're listening live on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. And if you have not become a member, it's free, and make sure you do so now. This is proudly brought to you, this portion of the show, by the Wildcat Sports Pub, the home of fantasy football in central and upstate New York, four leagues of Wake Up Call's Fantasy Football Challenge, and my Wake Up Call VIPs. Head to the Wildcat 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, and enjoy yourself every single game, every single week. And we're not just talking football, we're talking soccer. You can go watch baseball, basketball, little bit of everything. Great place to go for Syracuse sports. And the house special wings are worth the drive from wherever. If you're in Florida, those boneless house special wings are worth the trek up to the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York. Detroit at Minnesota. We got a question from the fans. I want to address this first, Mike. To keep or not to keep Eric Ebron, what would you say? This is a guy who this week I have number 15 overall, which makes him a you know high end tight end too this week. But you know he's he's a weapon that you know they're going to need, they're going to rely on, and he's not going to go away. So yeah, keep. I'm I'm on the fence more so than uh, you know. Mike says keep. I'm on the fence of this. I'm kind of like 50 50 right now. He has not done a lot. He's been targeted. So that's something to look to. He's been targeted more in each game. Three times in, the, in week one, five times in week two, seven times in week three. He's only scored one touchdown. He had nine yards in two out in two out of the three games so far. But his targets continue to go up. The question that just came in is, do you play him over Kobe Fleener? That answer to me is no. Kobe Fleener and then Eric Ebron. Is that fair to say, Mike? You would play Kobe over yeah, Eric. Yeah, I have, yeah. If Kobe Fleener is the number nine tight end this week, he'll he'll have an easier time. You know, as a tight end one, low end tight end one. You know, he should be good for maybe fifty yards and a touchdown. But you know, Eric Ebron. You know, the, the the jury's still out. I get it. You know, if you have to make a choice between one of the two, yeah, obviously Kobe Fleener is probably the way to go in this game. 
and probably in the foreseeable future because Kobe Fleener's got somebody breathing down his neck here. So, you know, it's not like, you know, there's not like there's no, you know, implications for either guy not to perform here. So I would definitely say Kobe Fleener if you have to make a choice. But, you know, if you can afford the roster position, keep Eric Ebron, even if you're not starting him. He's going to be a, a guy you can rely on in your bye week. He'll be a guy that somebody else will find value in real quick if you drop him. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys, and the only reason why I I won't I won't say just drop him is because of the fact that, number one, he's getting targeted more each week, like I mentioned, and number two, if you let him go, somebody will see value, and I agree with Mike on that, and they'll pick him up right away. So Kobe Fleener, and I didn't mention Kobe in the New Orleans-Miami game. He is not a bad person to put out there if you need some help at tight end and in your receiving core for that game. And obviously I would agree to play him over Eric Ebron because Kobe Fleener has Kobe Fleener last year underperformed and Eric Ebron underperformed. However, the difference between the two is Kobe Fleener has over overperformed this season so far. And Eric Ebron has not done too much. He's been quiet, but I don't know if I'd get rid of him right now. I don't think I don't think I'd get rid of him in this moment, but Kobe Fleener has definitely given me a positive shock which is a reason what, that I would tell you to put him out there. Detroit at Minnesota, Mike, what do you have for this one? Well, Detroit's playing okay. I mean, they're not playing as good as I think they can, but they're they're playing good enough to win some football games, and I think they're going to continue that trend on upward. But Minnesota's got a tough defense, and with that in mind, I've got Matthew Stafford as a mid-range QB, two this week. Uh, you know, on the other side of the ball, at quarterback, Case Keenum is, you know, he surprised some people last week by doing as well as he did. He's a low-end quarterback, too. I wouldn't count on him this, this week for, you know, much against Minnesota. You know, running the ball is where the value is going to be here, and it's all coming from Dalvin Cook. He just jumps off the screen at you. You know, looks like, uh, you know, an Adrian Peterson back in the day or a Marshall Falk can run with strength and power in between the tackles, can bust it outside, can catch the ball. You know, he's he's a power out of Florida State, and this is something that Minnesota was, was lucky to be able to grab in the draft. The other side of the ball, Amir Abdullah is a, a mid-range uh, running back three, so I wouldn't count on much there. Theo Reddick is a, more of a pass-catching guy, but again, you know, that's a stretch. Maybe a running back four or, or a deep flex if you have super flex or something in your league. Uh, at wide receiver, geez, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, to put down a Adam Thielen or a Stephon Diggs, even with Case Keenum in the lineup. Those guys this week I got as wide receiver twos. And, you know, on the other side of the ball here, I'm just wondering how they're going to be able to lock down Golden Tate. I think they're going to be able to. I got him as a wide receiver two this week, a high-end wide receiver two. Minnesota's defense is just strong all the way around. They can put pressure on a quarterback. They have outstanding linebacker play, and they have great defensive backs. On the tight end, there's a little bit of value on both sides here. Kyle Rudolph's a tight end one this week. Uh, I got him number six tight end overall. And then on the flip side here, like we talked about Eric Ebron, he's the number 15 tight end this week. Yeah, you know, looking at this matchup between these two teams, obviously another divisional matchup. A lot of divisional matchups in the NFC North early on. A lot of tough games in the NFC North early on. Detroit at Minnesota. Detroit's coming off angry at that Golden Tate. No, it wasn't a touchdown, but maybe it was, but who knows, but we can't. But then the time ran off. So this team is obviously upset. 
Matt Stafford, to me, is worth the play. I know he only had one touchdown recently, but he is worth the play to me. Amir Abdullah is a low-end running back three for me. Golden Tate is a wide receiver two. He's risen, in my opinion. Uh, Kenny Galladay was not present in practice on Thursday, so you got to watch out for that. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. has been quiet but has scored. Most recently, he did not. So the guys I feel good about telling you to consider putting out there for Detroit are Golden Tate as well as Matt Stafford and to consider their defense and special teams. Case Keenum, a lot of people are going to jump on this guy. I shouldn't say a lot of people. Some people are going to jump on this guy and say, oh, my God, I got to steal 25 of 33, almost 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, no picks, got to pick him up. Case Keenum did something for fantasy owners that we could be thankful for. Stephon Diggs was relevant again. Adam Thielen was relevant again. And Delvin Cook remains relevant. As far as trusting in Case Keenum from week to week, I'm not going to tell you to do that as of right now because we had one week of success for Case Keenum. What I will tell you is if you have Thielen, you have Diggs, you have Cook, you put them out there. On the other side, I told you with Detroit, Matt Stafford and Golden Tate are the ones I feel good about. If Kenny Galladay can get himself healthy, the team really does need him, and they're going to have to get him back sooner than later if they want to continue to have success. But credit to them with the way they played Atlanta despite not having him. We'll take a step aside for a fast break, and we will come back with more coverage of fantasy football getting you set for week four Sunday and Monday night games and all, every single game that's happening all throughout Sunday from 9.30 a.m. Eastern time all the way through to about midnight on Sunday. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this, Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The name 
Jim Lee's in Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Lee's in Staggerwald downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome and your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Lee's in Staggerwald downtown where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's in Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Heading past 11 o'clock. I've done that. This is the third time this week out of five shows. I must really love spending time with you all here on the air. Going past 11 o'clock to give you the advice that you need. Mike and I are willing to work the extra hours, make the extra notes, print out the extra sheets, and do the extra highlighting and homework to make sure you're taken care of to the best of our ability for week four and every week of fantasy football, as well as in the NFL in general. Carolina at New England rematch of the first Super Bowl that the Patriots won with Tom Brady after Carolina missed a field goal by John Casey, and New England did not with Adam Vinatieri. So, with that being said, Carolina at New England, the teams are obviously very different than they were. What do you think about this one? Well, when you think about uh, New England, you have to think about Tom Brady, definitely the best 40-year-old quarterback in the league, and, you know, he's a winner. You know, he, he does what he does to get things done most of the time. You know, he's a number two quarterback this week, not surprising, uh, second only to Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, when you look at the other side of the ball, you have Cam Newton, who's capable of being a top-tier quarterback, and we've seen him be a top-tier quarterback, but there's been an effort to change his game, keep him more in the pocket, not allow him to run as loosely as there was in the past. That's wrong. You're not going to get, you know, a, a thoroughbred is meant to run. You know, you, you can't box in a guy who gives you another dynamic to the game. Now, I get it. There's a risk of injury, and a lot of guys that are mobile quarterbacks are getting injured and not able to play, but you're taking away a facet of his game that now everybody knows you're taking away. So, you know, they, they have a little bit of problem there in Carolina with that. They also have a problem at receiver, Kelvin Benjamin getting dinged up, and their number one receiver, Greg Olson, out on IR with that broken toe, broken foot. 
so he's going to be out to about week 10, week 11. So he'll be happy to help you with your playoff push, and hopefully you're surviving until then if you if you had Greg Olson. But, you know, I, you would think that would increase touches for uh, Devin Funches, but I don't have him marketably higher this week than I have in the past. He's a low-end wide receiver three at best. Their best weapon on Carolina is Christian McCaffrey. They've used him in some decoy situations, and obviously the other uh, the other teams are queuing on him. I've seen two, three receivers on uh, two, three defenders on him at a time. But you know they're going to have to rely on some people, and he he's a low-end running back too this week for me, number eighteen on the board uh, at running back for New England. The only guy that I can really count on, because you never know who it's going to be in the game, getting most of the touches, most of the screens due to, you know, them having such a stable running backs, but a lot of them getting dinged up and rotating, and you never know who it is usually with Belichick. But Gillespie seems to be, Mike Gillespie seems to be the guy that's the consistent goal line guy. And, and touchdowns score your points. So I got him the number 16 running back this week. As far as uh, receiver, again, you know, Calvin Benjamin injury hurts them a little bit. Uh, Devin Funches, I don't think, is going to do enough. Brandon Cooks is definitely a receiver that you want to start, though. He's their deep threat in New England, and you know they're going to run the ball. You know they're going to stretch the field. He's the number six wide receiver on my board mm-hmm. this week. And as far as tight end, you have to start Gronk. Hopefully, if you have Gronk, you've been playing him, and hopefully he's not going to get injured for you. But, you know, you saw an injury scare already this year with the violent style of play that he puts out there. And on the other side, there's really no other no other tight end that, you know, Carolina can put out there. Ed Dixon's covering the role of Olsen, but he's more of a blocking guy, and they're going to try to get the ball again into Devin Bunches and Christian McCaffrey's hands. Yeah, you know, looking at this Carolina game up against New England in Foxborough, obviously New England hasn't taken care of home that great this season so far, but Cam Newton hasn't taken care of anything. Cam Newton, to me, he's a quarterback, too, at this point. He's fallen out of the one-favor with me. He somehow got me 21 points last week. I don't know how the hell he did it. I think he did it on the ground a little bit, but you know, Curtis Samuel, who is getting involved, he's a rookie wide receiver. He is on the injury report, and I want to go to uh, that injury report. Calvin Benjamin should be okay to play as it stands right now. That's what the coaching staff is saying. Ron Rivera, after looking at the fact that Calvin Benjamin has a knee injury, I just don't know what that means for Carolina because the ball hasn't been getting out to these guys. It hasn't been getting out to, to Funches somewhat, but not to Dixon, Benjamin, Samuel, Russell, Shepard, so on and so forth. So in my opinion at this point, you know, the only guy I really feel good about on Carolina is Christian McCaffrey because he is going to get touches. He was the leading receiver for the team, targeted 11 times to lead the team, caught nine passes to lead the team and had almost 50 yards more than the closest receiver to him. Devin Funches had 58. McCaffrey had 101. So I would play Christian McCaffrey for Carolina. And if Cam Newton's the best shot you got, it's not a bad shot to have. But he he falls out of favor with me a little bit this week. Tom Brady, you got to play him. Yeah, I mean, you have to. Danny Amendola, he's always on the injury report, and he's back on it this week, but he found a way to get things done. So just watch him closely. The NFL injury report is located on wakeupcalldt.com. Under the fantasy football tab, you will see the NFL injury report. Proudly brought to you by 315 Chiropractic and Dr. Tim Whiting. 
here in Central New York for your wellness and chiropractic needs. Danny Amendola, watch his. He has a knee injury. He's had a lot going on this year. He has a lot going on every year. And God bless, and hopefully he stays well and stays healthy for the rest of the season. But between concussion, knee, groin in the past, just watch this one closely. Philip Dorsett's been a non-factor. He's on the injury report with a knee injury. And Rex Burkhead was not in practice on Thursday and has a rib injury. And he's somebody that you like for the goal line, so just watch out on that. I would play Tom Brady. Mike Gillisley scored in two out of three weeks. Already has four touchdowns on the season. Play him. Brandon Cooks finally looking like he was coming into character. I'd play him. Rob Gronkowski and Chris Hogan. I like them all for the New England Patriots. Next game up, Jacksonville at the Jets. Could the friggin' Jets do it to another Florida team two weeks in a row? Jacksonville at New York. What do you think about this one, Mike? Uh, the answer to that question is no, simply because the Jaguar defense isn't the Miami defense. Now, we've seen the Jaguar defense play well, and we've seen them play bad, but you know, and that's this year. But the Jaguar defense can turn it on when they want to. They can get pressure on the quarterback, and that's not a good thing for the Jets, especially in this game. The value in this game is going to be at running back. I don't think you can count on either quarterback. Blake Bortles is going to be a quarterback three if you need to go that deep. And on the other side of the ball, you know, I don't think that you want to start a Josh McCown, but, you know, that's on you. He's the number 30 out of 32 quarterbacks this week on my board. The value is at running back Leonard Fournette, number seven running back this week. And Mike Gillisley, number – I'm sorry, Mike Gillisley, listen to me. I'm, I'm on the wrong guy here. J.H.I.A. right behind him. Not J.H.I.A. Man, I'm going Miami. I'm thinking Bilal Powell. I'm sorry, Bilal Powell is the number 17 running back this week. So – you know, he could get you some value, you know, if they can move the ball at all against Jacksonville. I can't really say anything about a receiver on either team. I mean, I guess if you need the Allen Hearns at a wide receiver four, or I don't know if you need a Jermaine Curse who's been turning it on lately, or Robbie Anderson who's supposed to be the guy there, but or even a Marquise Lee for that fact on uh, Jacksonville. These are all real low-end quarterback uh, wide receiver fours. You know, in the tight end position, I don't see anything to write home about either. So your value here in this game is on the running backs, uh, you know, both Fournette and Powell. And don't expect much else from anybody else. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm not sold on Belial Powell, and I haven't been. So I, I can't, I can't lean on him for this one. So when we look at this, you know, the Jaguars... They're playing the Jets, and I know they're playing it at MetLife, but they're playing the Jets. So, um, you know, the the Ravens are obviously a better team with a better defense and better weapons and better rushers and a better quarterback. So with that being said, you know, could it be 44-7 to again? You know, the <laughs> history leans on no for the Jaguars, but the Jaguars' defense and special teams should be considered to play in this one. Leonard Fournette should be put out there in this one. Marquise Lee should be considered as a wide re- low-end two, high-end wide receiver three. Mercedes Lewis as a tight end two this week. Alan Hearns as a, as a wide receiver three, high-end, low-end two, I would say, for them. And Blake Bortles, listen, if you don't have Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or Tom Brady, if it's between Cam Newton and Blake Bortles, I would lean on Blake Bortles this week. As far as the Jets go, I don't really feel good about anybody. I mean, if you have to play Belial Powell and you need three or four running backs, go ahead, be my guest. But 
I don't feel good about any of the Jets. With the Jaguars coming off of the game that they had, this will show some consistency or inconsistency to their season. Doug Marone, the head coach, said this is the time to show our consistency and show what we're made of. We've had two good games, and we had one bad game in the middle. Both of the good games were not in Jacksonville, which bodes well for them being up in New York. Blake Bortles, Leonard Fournette, like I said, Marquise Lee, Mercedes Lewis, and Alan Hearns should all be on your mind for this game. As far as injuries go, Jalen Strong is the only one questionable for Jacksonville. For the New York, and he hasn't played yet since coming over from the Texans. Matt Forte is questionable in the game. He was he has a toe injury. Jordan Leggett has a knee injury and didn't practice in the middle of the week. Sharon Peak has an ankle injury and is on injured reserve. So not too much to say about the Jets, and I don't have anybody on the Jets I feel good about. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. This game's supposed to be a good game, but Baltimore, Pittsburgh, pardon me, just got spanked by Chicago, and Baltimore just got embarrassed by Jacksonville overseas. What do you think about this one in Maryland this week? Yeah, if you get embarrassed by Jacksonville, whether it's overseas or not, you got problems, and there's problems in Baltimore right now. They're a lot better team than what they're showing, but, you know, you can only go with what they're doing. You can only base your rankings and your week-to-week decisions on how to play these guys based on their performance, and the performance speaks loudly. There is none. It's no good. Joe Flacco, number 32 out of 32 quarterbacks this week. On the flip side, this is always a close game. This is always a battle game. These teams don't like each other. It's usually a, a three or four point game. The line's even at three, even though both teams played very bad and, and Baltimore really laid an egg last week. The value here is going to be at running back. I got Ben Roethlisberger as a low end quarterback to this week, even up against Baltimore. And, you know, you look back at that game against Jacksonville, it looked like Bortles had a great game. The defense gave him the game. They allowed them to do things like run a fake punt when you're up 35 nothing. You know, when your defense is playing so well and you know they're going to stop and they're going to dominate the game and they're going to get the ball back and they're going to score as many, as many touchdowns as the offense on any day. You know, you know you can get away with things like that on offense and, you know, that covers up a lot. So, you know, I think Roethlisberger's a low-end quarterback, too, this week. You know, the value, again, is running back. You know, you, you know it's Le'Veon Bell. He's arguably one of the best running backs in the league. The problem is, is Pittsburgh hasn't been moving the ball. They haven't been using these weapons effectively. These guys are weapons, and you're just waiting for them to go off. And I think this would be a good game for Le'Veon Bell. On the other side of the ball, not so much. Terrence West is dinged up. Javorius Allen, you know, does a great job when he gets the ball. He's more of the passing guy, but this is a guy who is going to get you some points. He's a low-end running back, too, this week. Receiver Antonio Brown, number one receiver on the field, number one receiver this week. They should be able to get some something going from Roethlisberger to Brown. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, a receiver, I can't really say the same. You know, there's not as much oomph. There's no power. Flacco's not getting the ball to guys. So, you know, hopefully you're not counting on a wide receiver from Baltimore. You know, at, at, at tight end, again, nothing to write home about on either guy. So the value, again, is that running back in this game. And it looks like it's going to be all running. It looks like it's going to be a lower scoring affair than I think a lot of people think. And it should be a reasonably close game. But, uh, you know, that doesn't help you in fantasy. We're just looking to score points. So play Le'Veon Bell, play Antonio Brown, and hope for the best. Yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> if Nick Boyle is your leading receiver on Baltimore in a week, 
Third season out of Delaware, tight end. And no offense to Nick Boyle, but if he's your leading guy in receiving when you have Benjamin Watson, Jeremy Macklin, Javoris Allen, Mike Wallace, guys that, that guys that you know obviously have done some stuff in the NFL, 14 yards led Baltimore's receiving last week against Jacksonville. And like I said, once again, no offense to Nick Boyle. I'm saying, where was Jeremy Macklin? Where was Mike Wallace? Nick Boyle's a tight end, and he's leading the team in receiving. This team did not have 100 yards of total offense until 12 minutes left in the game. In the fourth quarter, 12 minutes left, that's when they got to 100 yards of total offense. Alex Collins had some shock and awe in this game. He's a running back four for me or a flex guy for me. Terrence West is an option. Javoris Allen is an option. But I don't trust any of the three of them. So if you have a team that has some of them and you have some other people, then send a message to me and tell me who you got, and we'll figure it out together. Because I wouldn't lean on any of them. And Alex Collins got a lot of good yardage and garbage time against the second-string team. Ben Watson, the only one that scored a touchdown for Baltimore against Jacksonville, is injured currently. So that's something to look at. Ben Roethlisberger... Hasn't put up substantial numbers for you in fantasy, so he's a quarterback two for me. But Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are worth putting out there. Jesse James has been injured, and Martavis Bryant has not been in practice. So the ones I feel best about, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, I'm going to echo Mike in that situation. Tennessee at Houston, the old Houston Oilers facing the new Houston Texans. What do you have for this one? Well, this one should be an interesting quarterback play game. And what I mean by that is Deshaun Watson is exceeding expectations just about each game. It's remarkable he's able to do what he does. He's still a rookie, though. You're going to have problems there. But, you know, he's a high-end QB, two this week. On the flip side, you got a low-end QB, one in Marcus Mariota, who's been consistently a QB, one week to week in this league the past couple of years. Now he's a low-end QB, one this week against the – Houston's defense. Houston can really pressure the quarterback and really get after you. So hopefully their blocking will be in line. And you know what? Their blocking has been helping them run the ball. Tennessee usually has an outstanding run offense. Derrick Henry is chomping at the heels of DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray trying to stay on the field, trying to stay healthy. DeMarco Murray, a low-end running back two this week. And Derrick Henry, a a high-end running back three this week. Uh, On the other side of the ball, though, you know, you would think that Lamar Miller would be a lot further along than he is. He's a low-end running back two this week. And I want to believe in Dante Foreman, but I need to see more from him on the field before I really evaluate him or bump him high up, you know, with the ability to start on a fantasy roster. The receiving core, DeAndre Hopkins, is going to be a, a decent guy. He's a wide receiver, too, this week. And Rashard Matthews leads Tennessee you know, he's the guy that you want to have out there. He's a low-end wide receiver, too, this week for them. And at tight end, Delaney Walker is a guy that he's a number four tight end this week. You know, like him or not, this is a guy who consistently gets the touches, consistently gets the targets. And that's what you want when your guy's out there on the field. You want him to at least have a chance. And Delaney Walker gives you that chance. Yeah, looking at this matchup with Tennessee at Houston, you know, there's there's been some key guys fantasy wise. I feel like you know there's been some good moments from the Tennessee Titans so far this season. They were able to defeat the Seahawks at home in Tennessee. They're heading on the road to Houston in this game, and Marcus Mariota is he's a quarterback too to me. 
But if if he is your best option, he's not a bad option to have. DeMarco Murray's another guy that I like in this. I want to take a look very quickly at the injury report before I go any further. For Tennessee, Corey Davis is out. Really nobody else to be concerned about when it comes to their injury report. And Houston, DeAndre Hopkins has a knee injury and was limited in practice, but has not been ruled out of the game. He's questionable, and I would say it's more than likely that I mean, more often than not, he ends up playing, so just pay attention to what he's doing in this respect. As far as the Tennessee Titans, Eric Decker has looked good in games. Rashard Matthews is a guy that's a wide receiver three to me that's not bad. Delaney Walker, not a bad option for you. Any of those gentlemen in the receiving core, they've all gotten their shared due. DeMarco Murray, Marcus Mariota on one side. On the other side for the Houston Texans, so far, you got to watch DeAndre Hopkins on the injury report. If he is ruled good to go, then he is somebody to put out there. He's still getting yards despite Houston's many struggles. He's still doing some good things. Deontay Foreman, not a bad guy to have out there. He has come on as of late. He was the second highest receiver as a running back and a rookie in this past week's loss to the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Not a bad option for you to have. Lamar Miller is a running back three to me, and Deontay Foreman is a high three, maybe even a – I'm going to keep him in flex. I'm not going to call him a two. So I'd keep him in flex for this one. I'd look at if I had Hopkins, Foreman, and Lamar Miller, I'd lean on Foreman and Hopkins, consider Lamar. Deshaun Watson's still making a lot of mistakes, so I can't lean on him for that. But I will say that one mistake he's not making – is giving his first rookie game check of over $27,000 to three cafeteria ladies at the Houston Texans Stadium after Hurricane Harvey. So a shout-out to Deshaun for that. San Francisco at Arizona. What do you think about this one? Well, when you think about this game, you would think that it'd be a better game than it probably is going to turn out to be. Uh, I, I think the Niners are surprising at times, but they, they're just not consistent. You know, when you got Brian Hoyer as your quarterback, you know, you, you got problems to start with. And Brian Hoyer's number 29 quarterback this week for me, so not a factor. But on the other side, Carson Palmer, the other old man in the league, seems to be getting it done. He seems to be able to get it done because he had an outstanding running game. The challenge is that running game's in flux right now with David Johnson being out with the broken hand. Uh, it's going to be like that way for the next foreseeable future here until about week 10 or so. But on the other side of the ball, Carlos Hyde has been putting up some numbers. He's been doing things that are a lot better than we thought they would be. He's been injury prone in his career, but I think he felt, you know, Joe Williams starting to chomp at his heels, you know, before he got hurt. I think that he really felt like, you know, he needs to turn it up a notch. And it's amazing and sad that they have to turn it up a notch, but they do. On the other side of the ball, surprisingly, Chris Johnson, who was just signed by Arizona, is going to be the leading threat at running back. But I I don't think there's a play at running back in Arizona here at all this week. At receiver, we had mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. You know, on the other side of the ball, you don't have that much. You know, Pierre Garçon or Marquise Goodwin, I wouldn't start either one of those guys. Uh, You know, maybe if you had to, maybe a Pierre Garçon. And, you know, at, at uh, tight end, I don't think I'm comfortable with anybody at tight end on this game either. So if you have Carlos Hyde, you're going to be fine. If you have, Car- you know, Carson Palmer, you're going to be fine. If you have anybody else, you may want to look elsewhere. 
Yeah, this this is a game where, you know, you like you said, Mike, you want it to be better than it is. I mean, obviously San Francisco put up some good numbers against the Rams in a game that saw 80 points on the field. And, you know, obviously this, this, this was a big game between these two teams. They made it very interesting in, in the last Thursday night football last week. You know, Pierre Garçon, not a bad guy to put out there. He's somebody that I said if you're going to put anybody out there in the receiving core, it's him. And he had 142 yards receiving last week. So Pierre Garçon, I feel good about. Carlos Hyde is is another guy to look at. I always joke around about whether he is hiding or seeking, and he has been seeking so far. He has a hip injury. He's questionable. But if he's good to go, he's worth putting out there for the team. Only two guys for me on that side of it. For the Cardinals, Carson Palmer, not a bad play for you as you move into week four, depending on who you have. If you can play two quarterbacks, throw them out there. If you can't, he is a quarterback too to me, but he's getting the ball out to some very, very well-skilled players. You know one of them is Larry Fitzgerald, and Fitz definitely needs to be out there for you because he gives exactly what his name says, Fitz to the defense. Hamstring injury for J.J. Nelson, so watch on that. Quad injury for John Brown, still nagging him. He's been a non-factor this season, but if J.J. Nelson is good to go. He is worth considering putting out there as a wide receiver three, a low end two. Larry Fitzgerald definitely to put out there. And as far as running backs go, I don't feel great about it. Carson Palmer, though, not a bad play in this game because you know San Fran's going to give up points. And you saw how well Arizona played against Dallas. Now they're playing San Francisco and they're at home for this one. Philadelphia at the Los Angeles Chargers. What do you think about this one, Mike? Well, the quarterbacks are going are gonna to tote the note in this one for you, you know, in every every way you look at it. Philip Rivers is going to do a decent job. He's a low-end quarterback, won this week. And, you know, on the other side here, Carson Wentz is right there with him, low-end quarterback, won this week. They're going to be helped out in the backfield by Melvin Gordon is anyway, you know, against Philly, but... Philly's got a problem at, at, at running back here, and with the injury to Darren Sproles, they've had a problem, and hopefully you're going to run out and pick up Wendell Smallwood or LeGarrette Blunt. They seem to be the guys that are getting a larger piece of the pie each way because that three-way committee is now more and more so a two-way committee. Then at receiver, you know, it's hard to find a guy who's going to step up. Maybe, maybe an Alshon Jeffrey steps up for Philadelphia you know, I don't see much going on. For, I, I don't see a Keenan Allen here doing much. He's a low-end wide receiver, too, this week. I don't see a Tyrell Williams doing much. I don't see a Hunter Henry doing a lot at all this year, and it's, he's been disappointing. But I do see Zach Ertz doing a lot. He's the number two tight end this week. So you're going to find value at the quarterback position with Melvin Gordon and with Zach Ertz. Otherwise, not so much. Yeah, in this game for Philadelphia, and this is another one of those games, we talk about San Fran, Arizona, where you want it to be better than maybe it's going to be because, you know, the Chargers have done some good things, but they lose to the Broncos 24-21, to the Dolphins 19-17, just lost recently to the Chiefs 24-10, and, you know, it's just these woes seem to happen in the playoffs, but... The Chargers are not getting things done right now, and maybe that move to San Diego will bode well to go back home after only being in L.A. not even a not even a full quarter of the season, and there's already a discussion that you know they might be going back. So they are in Los Angeles for this game. We'll see how many fans show up 
to the game, to the StubHub Stadium, hopefully more than have been in the past. But, you know, Carson Wentz, he's a quarterback too for me. I know some people get, you know, crazy sold on Carson Wentz in the first couple weeks. I'm not. LeGarrette Blunt is not a bad running back two or three for you. Three, I would put him because of the fact that he's been inconsistent, but he does get touches. Zach Ertz has been the most consistent receiver, and he's a tight end for Philly, so I like him for that. Melvin Gordon, if we go to uh, the injury report, because Melvin's been nursing some things here, if we go to Los Angeles and take a look at what's going on with Melvin Gordon, his knee injury has him limited in practice on Thursday, and he is questionable, but he hasn't been held out of practice most recently, which is a good sign. Philadelphia, Darren Sproles is out, injured reserve. He was put there on Monday. So the expectation for Darren Sproles, for me this season, wasn't really high and I hope that the man gets better. Uh, Melvin Gordon I would put out there. It's very hard for receivers because Hunter Henry's been shut out. People think he's injured. He just has been a non-factor in two out of three games. Keenan Allen has done some good things. Gates has done some good things, not yardage-wise, but touchdowns. Tyrell Williams, not so much. Travis Benjamin was the best so far. It's a toss-up with Los Angeles who the receiver is going to be. If you need a wide receiver four or a flex, Look to Benjamin or Keenan Allen. And, you know, Gates isn't going to get your yardage, but maybe he gets you in the end zone. The one that I trust the most of the Chargers is Melvin Gordon, and that's who I would say to definitely put out there as long as he's healthy enough to go, which it looks like he probably will be. The Giants at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game seems to always come around from year to year, and the Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seem to play each other rather closely, although this year I think Tampa's got a lot more than New York does. What do you think about this game? Yeah, New York can't run the ball. They're having a hard time running the ball. Paul Perkins was supposed to be the guy. It's not happening. Very low-end running back three this week for me. You're going to find some value at quarterback with Jameis Winston. He's the high-end quarterback, too, this week. And Eli Manning's been disappointing. Number 21 quarterback this week for me, but you know, I, I hope you're not in a position where you have to count on him at all. You know, as I've seen him dropped everywhere that he's been. So, you know, until you can count on a guy, you know, you may not be able to have room on your roster waiting, waiting, waiting. It's, you know, it's week four. You know, it's, waiting is over with. You know, you're a quarter of the way through the season, and you're like a third of the way away from playoffs. So, you know, you got to make something happen now. You know, uh, running back, we talked about Paul Perkins and, you know, on the on the other side of the ball for the Bucks, Jacquez Rogers is still going to be the guy there right now. But then next week, you know, we should see the return of the muscle hamster, Doug Martin, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., number three wide receiver this week. You got to start him. Mike Evans, you have to start him. Low end wide receiver one this week. The disappointing thing is in the Giants, they don't really have anybody else at receiver stepping up. Sterling Shepard's had some moments that he's looked good. Deshaun Jackson finally showed up for the Bucks last week. He's the number 31 wide receiver this week. And as far as tight ends go, Evan Ingram's been stepping up. He's a low-end tight end one. He's a guy that's a rookie at Ole Miss, and he seems to be getting the job done. But, you know, Cameron Brait is right there with him on the other side, a low-end tight end one this week as well. If there's ever been a good time to get Adrian Peterson, I have said it for a couple weeks now, it would be in this moment. The Giants do not rush the ball well. The Giants, Orleans Darkwa, and Shane Vereen are both on the injury report. 
Paul Perkins is the only other running back that they have played. He doesn't do anything. They have refused to play Wayne Gallman, so he hasn't been able to do anything. The Giants are on the road. The Giants are 0-3. The Giants have been atrocious, and Eli Manning has put up some numbers, but he's throwing interceptions. If you had to play a wide receiver three, it would be Sterling Shepard. Odell Beckham Jr., he's a wide receiver two to me because he's inconsistent and the team's rushing attack is obsolete. You would think that Odell Beckham Jr. is the second best wide receiver in the country coming into this season, but in the actual season so far, he has not been. Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, worth the nod in this game because you'd smack yourself if they did well and you don't have them out there. And I don't want you to do that to yourself. As far as the Buccaneers go, the Buccaneers, Jameis Winston, interception prone. He's still not a quarterback one, but he has to minimize his interceptions because the things he does well, he also makes those mistakes on the other side. Two touchdowns last week, three interceptions. Not good. Jacquez Rogers, he'll probably have fun against the Giants in this game. Deshaun Jackson, Wide receiver three. Mike Evans, still a wide receiver one to me, despite the fact that he was relatively quiet recently. And Cameron Brait seems to be the better of the two between Brait and O.J. Howard so far at the tight end position for Tampa. Brait is worth the nod this week because it's New York and it's at home in Tampa. We're going to take a quick step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora for our final fast break of the day. We'll come back with Oakland, Denver, Indy, Seattle, and Washington, Kansas City in just a moment. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. Hi, this is Sal Lamedico, owner and operator of Sal's Pizza and Restaurant, 41 East Genesee Street in the village of Ballersville. We are family owned and operated since 2002. We take pride in customer service and quality of food where it's paramount we don't choose between both. We offer carry-out, delivery, and catering. Or you can bring your family and friends in and enjoy friendly staff 
and comfortable atmosphere. Trivia is offered once a week, every Wednesday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Call us at 315-638-8505 or visit us online at salspizzabville.com. We're here at Sal's Pizza Restaurant. We're more than pizza. The Penn & Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn & Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn & Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT here inside of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast and to this portion of the show, which is Fantasy Football Friday, where Mike Sofka and myself, Dan Tortora, give you our synopsis, give you everything that we have, give you our hypotheses, everything when it comes to each week of the NFL and each week of fantasy football. We're more than happy to do so. This week is week four, and we have three games left on the docket, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub, the home of Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Leagues in Central and Upstate New York. Fantasy football and NFL fans alike eat at the Wildcat Sports Pub, drink at the Wildcat Sports Pub in a family-friendly sports bar atmosphere with every single game on the television every week. Oakland at Denver. What do you have for this one, Mike? Well, I have some surprises in my rankings this week, and the biggest surprise of all is Trevor Simeon sneaking into the QB1 rankings here against Oakland. Low-end QB1 this week. Don't get overexcited. Temper your expectations, but there's a lot worse options out there, and he's been doing enough to get things done, and that defense and that running game is allowing them to let him open up his game a little bit. So, you know, I don't see that letting up in this game. Oakland's defense hasn't been up to par, and I think Trevor Simeon's worthy of a low-end quarterback one this week. On the flip side, disappointing with their car. But I think it's the offensive line where the woes are there. And, you know, you're facing a Denver team here that is pretty good at pressure in a quarterback. So I got Derek Carr downgraded to a low-end quarterback, too, this week. We talked about Denver being able to run the ball. That running attack is led by C.J. Anderson. He's going to continue to do that. He's a low-end running back one this week. And, you know, on the other side of the ball for the Raiders, they got this guy, Marshawn Lynch. However, it looks like they're scaling back on some of his use to trying to manage him a little bit as far as snaps, I would say. And there's times where he can't get on the field because they're behind and they're going to be passing the ball. He's not that guy. He's a ground-and-pound guy. So I got Marshawn Lynch as a mid-range running back three this week. Now, they're going to be able to throw the ball a little bit, but the team that's going to be able to throw the ball is not who you think. It's Denver. Denver's going to be able to throw the ball a little bit. Now, I've got 
Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas as low-end wide receiver twos this week. But believe it or not, the other duo in Cooper and Crabtree, I've got ranked a lot lower than that because of the offensive line woes. They trap and push back your guards into the quarterback. There's no pocket to step up into, and that's been a problem with, with Denver, with Oakland, is right up the middle of the line. And then that, that creates space for those guys on the outside to get to the quarterback as well. And the pocket's only so big, so it's not all Derek Carr's fault. It's an offense influx right now. I don't know what their identity is. I don't know. I do know one thing. They're not blocking very well. No tight ends to speak of, really, on either team this week. So if you're looking for a little bit of value, it's in the running back, it's in the quarterback, and it's in the surprising quarterback, Trevor Simeon. Yeah, you know, in this matchup, I, I got to agree with Mike that I don't put Derek Carr as a quarterback one. He's he's had some woes here, especially recently against Washington. He's playing a better defense when it comes to Denver. Marshawn Lynch, to me, is he's a running back three at this point, you should have two guys better than him. He had six carries for 18 yards. He has not – listen, when he was playing in Seattle, he was not doing well in yards per carry finishing up his time in Seattle. I'm not talking about when he was in his prime in Seattle, but the last time he was in Seattle, go back to his numbers. They're similar to the numbers of Oakland right now. He's not doing that well. And so, to me, he's not worth the play. Michael Crabtree has a chest injury, but he's worth considering in this one to put out there. You're going to have to put out, I would say, three to four wide receivers, depending on what your scheme is like. So, I got Michael Crabtree as a low-end two for this week. Amari Cooper, I don't really have much to say about him. He's been a relative non-factor all season. I really only feel somewhat good about Crabtree in this one. Pretty good about Crabtree, but Lynch, not so much. Carr, like I said, a two. Trevor Simeon, he's not a bad play for you in this game. He really isn't. If you're trying to decide between him and Cam Newton or, you know, a Trevor Simeon and a Jameis Winston, you play Trevor Simeon in this one, in my opinion. Jamal Charles, he's somebody to kind of focus on and, and consider. He may be out there in your free agency. I did not buy into the fact that this guy was even necessarily going to make the team coming from Kansas City. But he hasn't been half bad so far, and if you got to go with three or four running backs, not bad to have one of him to have him as one of them out there for you. C.J. Anderson, same thing. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders in Denver's defense and special teams, not a bad play. And if you have to go really deep, Benny Fowler the third most likely is out there, and he hasn't been too shabby in the first three weeks of the season, so he's worth considering for you. Sunday night football is boring night football this week. Indianapolis at Seattle. I say this and watch them score 33 to 30, but I more so figure this game to be 10 to 3, 9 to 3, 20 to 6. I'm not overly anxious and anticipating the immense wonderfulness of this game. However, Indianapolis at Seattle will be played on primetime football. Mike, what do you have for this? Well, I have Seattle in this game in a blowout. I think Seattle's a lot more powerful than than Indianapolis is on every aspect of the game. And that starts at the quarterback position with Russell Wilson, number three quarterback this week, going up against the poorest Indianapolis secondary. He should provide ample quarterback one numbers. On the other side of the ball, while Jacoby Brissett is an improvement over Scott Tolzien, you know, he's still not anybody you can count on right now. He's 31 out of 32 quarterbacks this week. You're going to find some value in the running backs here. We've talked about it time and time again here. Chris Carson, 
he's undoubtedly the guy now in Seattle. He's the number 15 running back on my board this week, so you should find some points there. Frank Gore, low-end running back two this week. Two they have. Marlon Mack had a hard time staying on the field due to health issues. He seems to be a guy that's going to come on toward the year's end as Frank Gore wears down, I think, but not so much right now, not up against the Seattle defense. At the receiver position, Indianapolis is going to try to rely on a T.Y. Hilton, but when you have Jacoby Brissett and the Seattle defense, that doesn't bode so well. So T.Y. Hilton's a high-end wide receiver, three this week. And on the other side of the ball, when you're considering Seattle, I mean, I don't know, you're going to go with a Paul Richardson? No, you're going to go with a Doug Baldwin. He's the wide receiver one. He's the guy they get most of the targets to this week. And at tight end, Jimmy Graham should be the number eight tight end this week. And for the Colts, maybe a Jack Doyle at a tight end, too, for you this week. But it's going to be all Seattle. Yeah, you know, Jimmy Graham is so hard to to really lean on since he left New Orleans. In New Orleans, he was a wide receiver as a tight end. In Seattle, he's a forgotten man most of the time. But he might do something for you this week because he's playing at home in Seattle and he's playing against the Indianapolis Colts. So if you have to dig, then go for it. If you have an injured tight end and Jimmy Graham and you can only go with Jimmy Graham, maybe this is this is definitely the only week that I'd feel good about him so far in the first four weeks of the season. But that's not saying too much about his level of play thus far. As far as Russell Wilson, he's consistently inconsistent, but... He played a better team in Tennessee this past week and had four touchdowns, no picks, and almost 400 yards passing. So Russell Wilson in this game, Chris Carson in this game. I picked him up a couple weeks ago. I'm happy that I did so. And on the other side of it, Jacoby Brissett, he does some good things, but he's not a QB1 for me this week. Frank Gore, he's a running back three for me. T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver three. I'll agree with Mike on that one. Jack Doyle is worth considering as a tight end for Indianapolis. But really for Seattle, I'm seeing Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, their defense and special teams, potentially Jimmy Graham. And Doug Baldwin has been on the injury report, but if he's good to go, then let him fly out there against the Indianapolis Colts. Final game of week four, Washington, Monday night at Kansas City. I said to Mike off the air, you would think on paper this would be a boring Nothing, nothingness game of two teams that are insignificant. But Washington has worked to change that in the here and now, and Kansas City's been trying to change that over the last three to four seasons. Kansas City is one of only a couple undefeated teams left in the NFL at 3-0, and and Washington is a threat, and they just took down the Raiders. What do you think about this game, Mike? This should be a better game than people think. I, I, I think it's going to be KC being it's been being played in KC. It's a tough place to play. It's a loud stadium. But I got to give Kirk Cousins a nod. He's the number eight quarterback on the board this week. And on the flip side, Alex Smith has been playing pretty well this this year. Very low-end quarterback one, high-end quarterback two this week at number 13. The running back position, you can't argue with Kareem Hunt. This guy seems to get it done. He seems to find a big play in every game, whether it's receiving the ball or running the ball. He's a number one overall running back on my board this week. And on the other side of the ball, Chris Thompson seems to be that same guy, just a little toned down. He seems to get the big plays. He seems to you know, have that elite speed at Florida State. But Rob Kelly is the guy they constantly want to get the ball to. And Rob's been dinged up a little bit. Samaje Perrine finally got on the field but wasn't able to do much. So it's going to be Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson is number 26 running back on my board. Rob Kelly's the number 39. 
at receiver. Tyreek Hill, again, like Kareem Hunt, just surprising, explosive, a guy that seems to get things done week to week, every week. Definitely a wide receiver one in this league this week. And on the other side of the ball, it's Terrell Pryor and Jamison Crowder. I don't see either one of those guys making a big impact. Both of them low-end wide receiver threes this week. And as far as tight ends go, Travis Kelsey, he's the consistent elite tight end in the league. He seems to get his share of targets, which turns in the points. So he's a number three tight end this week. And on the other side of the ball, well, you know who's been hurt all the time, Jordan Reed. And again, he's hurt. Vernon Davis picked up the pace last week. He's a number 18 tight end this week. You may be able to plug him in in an emergency situation, especially if you had Jordan Reed. Yeah, Jordan Reed is is obviously hasn't been very consistent offensively really at all this year, and he's been hurt. Ribs and shoulder injury, limited participant in practice on Thursday of this week. Rob Kelly is also still injured with a rib injury. He's questionable as well. He hasn't done much of anything, and his game has been questionable. For Kansas City, Cairo Santos, the place kicker, is on injured reserve, which means I have some work to do. The new kicker... For those of you looking for the new Kansas City kicker, his name is Harrison Butker. Harrison Butker is the new place kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you have Cairo Santos, don't leave him there. He's on injured reserve. So that is a note to the wise, including a note to myself of a change that I need to make. In this game, Kirk Cousins, I got him has a low-end quarterback one, a high-end quarterback two. You should have somebody better than Kirk Cousins on your roster. If you don't, it's not a bad play to have. I like Samaje Perine in this game. And Chris Thompson, how can you go against Chris Thompson? The man has averaged 25 yards a carry in a game. The man was the leading receiver most recently with 150 yards receiving, seven targets, six catches, targeted more than any receiver on the team. Craziness. So Washington, dangerous with Chris Thompson and Samaje Perine potentially Kirk Cousins for you. And outside of that, Jamison Crowder, if you have to go deep into a wide receiver three or four, probably a four in my opinion. Chiefs-wise, Alex Smith hasn't been bad for you. I still have him as a quarterback too. I like Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill. They're doing what they do. In two out of three weeks, they have been gangbusters. And in three out of three weeks, Kareem Hunt's been getting job done. So I like him. Travis Kelsey, he's been quiet and he's been loud. I still can't put him on the bench and feel good about it. I feel like that's one of the ones where you get really upset with yourself if he's on the bench, make you nervous the whole weekend, and I don't want to do that to you. So I like Kelsey, I like Hill, and I like Ty, and I like uh, Kareem Hunt. So that is my look at Kansas City. I think both teams are going to score, so I don't know how well the defense would bode for you on either side. With that being said, this has been Fantasy Football Friday, getting you prepared for Week 4. If you want to listen back to this episode or any episode of Fantasy Football Friday, feel free to go to wakeupcalldt.podbean.com backslash mobile and download the app. You can also download the app by going to wakeupcalldt.com's homepage and clicking on the Podbean logo. For Mike Sofka and for myself, Dan Satora, thank you for listening to this special segment presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub, your home for fantasy football in Central and Upstate New York and the home of four wake-up call leagues in Central and Upstate New York. Thank you so much, Mike, as always, for all that you do. And I appreciate it, and, and good luck to your week this week, and I hope to talk to you soon. Sounds good, and make sure you visit HallofFamefantasyFootball.com. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. 
HalloFameFantasyFootball.com. One more time for Mike Sofka. And a little bit of this for Mike Sofka. We got to do this for Mikey. Got to give Mike some love and let him know that we appreciate what he has done. Biddy, very good. I don't know why I said Biddy, and I don't know why I said very good. It's been a long week. I love you all. Thank you to Mike Sofka for what he's done. Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com and for being my co-host for Fantasy Football Friday Advice. Every single week, we get you set. We talk about Thursday on Thursday. You talk about Thursday night football with me, Thursday morning, and then Mike and I on Sunday and Monday games all the way through, and if there's ever a Saturday game, we get going on that too. You can listen back to this show and all of the Fantasy Football Reports by going to wakeupcalldt.podbean.com backslash mobile and downloading the app. And on wakeupcalldt.com, you can also click on the show archive on wakeupcalldt.com and click on the month that the show is aired in. So for fantasy football, if you want to hear this one, it's September. So you click on September and you'll find it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you stay close to Wake Up Call with Dan Satora on Facebook at wakeupcalldt, on Twitter at calldt. And on Instagram at Dan Tortora Media, YouTube.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, the live feed, MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, and of course on WakeUpCallDT.com, the hub of all things together when it comes to Wake Up Call. SuperpowerPop.com as well for my brother's show. Check it out. Not my brother's show, but the brother's show of Wake Up Call, the entertainment show. Check me out there. We got a new show coming up today at noon eastern time featuring my cousin nico Reda, and we have a an amazing conversation that opens up many many a door into the world of entertainment and the cinematic universe of marvel and dc and so on and so forth so you don't want to miss that show and you don't want to miss me on site on location at new york comic-con covering for a superpowered pop with Dan Tortora. I will talk with you on Wake Up Call on Monday morning. We'll have plenty to talk about with Syracuse NC State and so much more. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I can't wait. I love you all. I thank you all. I appreciate you all. Please be good to each other. And whether you're kneeling or standing this weekend, can you just lock arms with your neighbors? Because that's what it's all about. It's all about equality. A God-given right taken away by man And we have no business taking something away that God gave to every single one of us. Be good. Be safe. Roll Tide, roll Tide, roll Tide this weekend. Roll some Tide. And I hope you're watching Miami at Duke as well as USC at Washington State. Doubleheader tonight, Friday, September 29th. Can't wait. And come see me Saturday, September 30th. Pump for this. Saturday, September 30th, 3 to 5 p.m., Come out and see the Baldwinsville Bees football team with me at Sammy Malone's 2 Oswego Street in the village of Baldwinsville. Cannot wait for that. Big shout-out to Matt McDonald, the superintendent at Baldwinsville, as well as head coach of the Baldwinsville Bees football team, Carl Sanfilippo. Thanks for letting me come into practice. And to the entire staff and all the players, Gabe Haran, who is committed to Syracuse, will also be on site. And there will be two surprise guests from the team as well. Saturday, September 30th, 3 to 5. So I hope to see you out there to support Baldwinsville football and to support our community and the young men within our community. Big thanks, big shout out. And the same thing on Monday, October 2nd for West Genesee at the Wildcats Sports Pub. We'll be with, with the, we will be with the Wildcats at the Wildcat. So excited about that. Head coach Joe Corley and a bunch of players coming out and hanging out with me. Monday, October 2nd, 
in Camillus, 3680 Milton Avenue at the Wildcat Sports Pub. And we will be bringing you a phenomenal show just like we did a month ago. And I'm so, so happy for this. The Wildcats are going to join me. And we're going to talk about some improvements and things that they have done this season so far. And I can't wait for that moment. And that's 630 to 830 Monday, October 2nd. So I'll see you Saturday. See you Monday. And you'll hear from me Monday morning. God bless and be well.